Welcome to Betamax Rewind, the only podcast people don't bother to pick up. They just kick it into the woods with their shoe. Here are two guys that haven't had strange trim in nearly two decades, Matt and Doug. So am I going too far back with the kicking it into the woods or we can have a, enough of a memory track there to actually remember what it is? Uh, no, I don't. I, I was going to say, I didn't understand that first part. Really? Yeah. It's when you were walking your dog and it takes a shit near the, near oh, the woods yeah. and you just <laughs> kick it in. Okay. I, I see. I thought you meant or she meant like I was actually kicking my shoe into the woods. I'm no. Like, huh? No. Okay. <laughs> but I'm Matt. Uh, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Doug. How are you doing, Doug? I'm good. I am live from the Botany Bay. <laughs> Botany Bay? Botany Bay? Oh, no. <laughs> Damn. We need to get out of here now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, okay. Should we just get into housekeeping? Sure. Or do, you, do you have anything? Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay. And now, it's time for Podcast Housekeeping. I don't know about you, but it seemed like we were a little bit off our game last week. We were a little bit rusty in a couple areas. Um, well, I, sort of. I, I mean, when we played The Sound of the Week, we, we failed to mention what movie that was from. And I suppose if you've been living under a rock, <laughs> wife of Shojen, <coughs> <laughs> that you would actually know that that's from this movie. Okay, we have a deal. You'll bring the money, I'll get you the coke. You got it, Scarface. Oh my god, you can see that? The doctor said you wouldn't be able to. Yes, everyone can see that. That's why we call you Scarface. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We? Yeah, so that was, that was from another Al Pacino movie. Well, Scarface. <laughs> so I, I thought you wanted me to play the clip, but apparently not. So there, there was that. We also forgot... Oh, this may sound silly to you, but kids oh, go yeah. completely ape if you do three things in a picture. Defy authority. Destroy property and take people's clothes off. Ding, ding, ding for for Invasion USA. Yeah, yeah, all three. Even though they were, I don't know if they were mournful, but they were (laughs) they were vague tits. I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, they were they were in two different strip clubs, and the first one you just caught a glimpse glimpse of one boob, and then the second one it was just like a flash of some other boobs. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to take you a little bit uh, behind. Behind the scenes here on on the podcast is after you we, never do that, man. No, I never. You do never that. take you never you never take us behind the scenes of the podcast. <laughs> so after after we're done, I, I make sure that I, I have good audio, and then we say our goodbyes, and then I have to transfer the audio from the board to the computer, and it actually takes about twenty minutes to transfer because it processes it while it's doing it, and during that time. I have nothing to do. So sometimes I'll, I'll walk the dog or, or whatever. But another thing I'll do is I will just listen to like random shit. And, and one of the things I happen to have is a clip that we've used multiple times, which is the vocal version of the first blood theme. Mm-hmm. Have you ever actually n- noticed or listened to the words of that song? I have not. <laughs> uh, see here. Let me go. Let me just. Cherry pick a little bit. To survive, when they draw first blood, that's just the start of it. Day and night, you gotta fight. <laughs> Those are some powerful lyrics, man. Oh man, is anybody winning? It's a long road and it's hard to tell. Tell me what do you do? <laughs> and then I think here's my favorite is 
where the road is, that's the place for me, where I'm me in my own space, where I'm free, that's the place. Okay, all right. Were, were those lyrics written by Frank Stallone? <laughs> Oddly enough, no, they weren't. Which, okay. given that it was a Stallone film, you'd think that they might be, but they were not. All right. We talked about Ray Charles and you and Stevie Wonder, and you had made mention that you thought Ray Charles lost his sight because of a psychological problem. Right. And uh, I did a little digging. Ray Charles began to lose his sight at the age of five, not long after witnessing his brother's drowning, but experts believe that his eventual blindness was medical, not traumatic, and it was uh, the culprit was glaucoma. Okay. So I, I thought I was going to play this clip, but apparently not. So never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there was a uh, – I got to get through all the lyrics to this. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really long. Um, when, when I am at the grocery store or doing whatever, I just listen to podcasts usually. But sometimes when I run out of podcasts to listen to, I will just listen to music and I'll just have it on shuffle. And today I happened to actually – be listening to music, and sure enough, I hear. So I figured, what the hell? I'll, I'll take a listen. I didn't know which one it was. It was actually Rocky Four. Okay. Uh, and I listened to about forty-five minutes of it. Okay. And you know that was one of the first. I think that was podcast six or seven. Right. And first of all, the sound quality much better now. Uh, second of all, no sound of the week. Okay. Back then, that was also the week that. Um, you first talked about Hillsboro. Okay. Which, of course, Hillsboro is famous because that's where the Scream movies took place. Yes, that's where they take place, yes. And I think that was the first time when I openly just started lying about stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there is one other thing that was first introduced in that – actually, two other things that were first introduced in that podcast, one of which I will mention. The other you will come up with later, and I'll say, yes, that was also introduced for the first time in the Rocky Four Sound uh, podcast, but – the idea of pegging was first introduced. <laughs> Which I have not brought up in quite some time. And uh, to your credit, you were not the one that brought it up. Oh, you were? Yeah. I said, but, not that I'm not a fa- fan of pegging, but... But that goes back years ago where I would, you know, set, just follow up a random text from you with something about pegging. Yeah. No, but that was, that was the first time it actually got brought up on, on the podcast proper, so... Okay. Um... There was a a mix-up in movie order where I thought the scene where Chuck Norris was offered some frog legs to eat happened post-something else. And you said, no, it, it already happened. And I said, well, I'm not going back. And I, I'm not watching Invasion USA to uh So you went back that. just to prove me wrong. And I went back to prove you wrong, but... You were right. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> but you also said that you watched it in 4.3, and it was 16.9 on my iPad. Okay. It. I mean, that that's weird, but I, I know what I saw. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go back and bring it up on Amazon and, you know, take a picture of my TV and send it to you for proof. But Okay. I know. Right. Okay. Anything, Anything else? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, um, the Cosby Show clip where Theo. Sorry. <laughs> well, you had already talked about Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, so I thought you were putting those together. So okay, uh, but yeah, where Stevie Wonder was on the Cosby Show, and 
The whole family goes down, and Theo says this. Party. Jamming on the one. Jamming, jamming on the one. Jamming on the one. Jamming on the one. I was not going to pull that whole clip, because it's like six minutes long, but Rudy does make the sound of a giraffe. Vanessa, she says Robert, because she's dating some some black dude with a with a really suburban white kid accent. Okay. Named name Robert. And Denise says, I don't know what to say. And then Claire goes, la, and, and Cliff says, baby. Yeah, so. that, that, that probably, I, that was actually one of a couple clips that I was going to go back and pull, but you sent me the, them or before I had a chance to start pulling stuff. So I'm like, Hey, this is an easy week for me. <laughs> yeah. Thursday. I like, I like Thursday mornings because that's like my clip pulling day. And the cleaning lady is here on Thursday, so I just retreat to the basement and I take like an hour to pull clips. And then you get like, what, 22 emails over the course of five minutes? <laughs> and then you're done. So once you're done, then I, I, I pull them, I edit them, I, I assign pictures to them, and I put them on the board in the order that they go. So I can just and do like one, two, three. And then you, oh, but there's one more. And there's one more. And there's one more. And it's never fucking ending. It's one, it was one more this week and that was it. But so here's the thing is this is, this is my week. And this week was actually something I was a little bit afraid of. And we'll talk about that later because this was a movie I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out as far as the watching experience and what you were going to think of it. Because I knew something of this film, but I, I wasn't sure if I'd seen it before. And there's one other film in, in my series for this season. But since it's my movie, the preponderance, the, the, the majority of the clips should be me. And Doug at one point had 23 and I had four. So. <laughs> I come prepared. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Do you think any other podcast talks about during their podcast, the creation of their podcast? Yeah, I'm sure that there is, you know, because, okay. well, you think of things like Stern and I'm sure that Bob and Brian have it too, where they have like, they talk about their producers and, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the rock chick was at Marilyn Me. Yes. And so there's some behind the scenes stuff, maybe not as much. And those were actually radio shows versus podcasts, but you get what I'm saying. Right, right. Okay. So yeah, that's all I've got for housekeeping then. So I, I did have uh, one more thing. Okay. And I, I consider Jen to be, and that of course is. Oh, duh. Wife of Show Jen. I consider her to be kind of like the voice of. Uh, Betamax Rewind, because she does the open. And that was actually one of just a, you know, a, a lucky thing that somehow we stumbled upon um, in the very beginning. But historically, she's always had one spot on the permanent board, and I just change that clip every week with whatever the new open is, because we, we play the open before we actually go into it, because it's usually the first time that Doug has heard it. But she oftentimes screws up when she's actually recording the opens, and she's, do not use that, do not use that, do not pull any of this. But since I have actual sound pads on the roadcaster, I've actually assigned a new clip to Jen's picture, what used to be the open, and that that is this. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going to use it, but I know I'm going to. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Until she listens to this podcast and she and she's like, do not up. use it. You know, I, I, in my mind, I'm visualizing something that I'm not going to say. <laughs> a little cum bubble coming over her nose. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Something like that. Anyway. Okay. Hey, Matt and Doug, what have you been up to? 
What is new since the last episode? Not going to use the theme song that I, from last week. <laughs> the broken one? Or is that... Did I do the wrong one again? Yeah. You're not good at this. Oh, God damn it. You um, don't have to play it. That's fine. Let's just... Let's, let's move on. Just remind sure me to I, fix it. Okay. All right. Matt, fix it. Okay. <laughs> so... I do that with my wife, too. Yeah. Can you remind me to... Yeah. And then immediately say... Anyway, go ahead. All right. So... Uh, I was talking with my missus and, you know, with with the pandemic, she has not had to do her hair or her makeup quite as much as she used to when she had to go into an office. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, some of the things that have allowed her to free up her time in the morning. Like she had the, the laser hair removal on her armpits. So, you know, that's not as big of a deal. And that's the only place that she's had the laser hair, hair removal. Um. And somehow we got onto the topic of conversation of somebody that she used to listen to or somebody that she used to live with and they shared a bathroom and how this gal would take like a 15 or 20 minute shower and then be in the bathroom for like another half an hour and come out with no makeup on and her hair was still wet. And what's your first thought on that? What she was doing in that bathroom? Uh... Give me a minute. Uh, let me, let me, let me like noodle on that for a second. Okay. Well, my, my, the, the, the response out of my mouth was, well, she's probably masturbating. And my missus goes, Oh, really? You're hanging out with Matt too much. <laughs> nice. No, actually, I was looking for the magic wand song clip on the board, but I couldn't okay. find it. Uh, and she went and she had some very famous people give their opinions of you as well. That really is sick bastard, but I like them because it reminds me of a young me. And that's good. It's the best. It's really fantastic. Everything about it. And then this fella. That is truly a twisted son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, that's it. Trump, and was the second one The Rock? No, it was Obama. Okay. <laughs> Somehow, for some reason, my kid got a voice changer on his iPad, and everything that my kids upload on their iPad... I get it on my iPad, too, just so I can see what it is. And then I usually delete them off of my iPad. But I was like, oh, voice changer. And I started playing around with it. So, But that is that is a true story. But she was like, oh, you just, you're hanging out with Matt too much. I'm like, no, I'm not. It, Matt is just, this is who I am. And doing this podcast is just bringing out who I am. And, and I'm sorry. I, I am a sick bastard. I, I have a twisted mind and a twisted sense of humor. Um, but she is so... Well, my, my wife is kind of a wasp. <laughs> How much is my, am I going to have to cut? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it. Okay. So, uh, you don't have anything else for what's going on? Oh, you know, I got plenty. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I just figured we'd take turns. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I got it. So, I... <sighs> I really try to stay out of the political aspect of things. And mm-hmm. this is not necessarily a left or a right thing so much as it, it is a what I consider a right or wrong thing. And I read this opinion piece of it is barbaric that inmates in prison do not have free access to cell phones. Oh, those poor babies. And I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, it is supposed to be a you know prison is supposed to be for 
it's not supposed to be punishment. It is supposed to be so that they can, you know, learn to be better people. And by disconnecting them from society, that you are making them actually worse. And it's also, you are also pre- preventing hits from happening, <laughs> from retribution being taken out on people that put them in prison. But it was just this huge thing of not only should they have cell phones, they should have cell phones that are paid for and they should have unlimited minutes, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted your opinion on that. It, was this in like the New York Times or you know the Washington Post? I, I don't remember where it was. It was, in, it was I, there's a news aggregator website that I go to that has like links from all over, and I just read the ones that I find interesting. And this okay. just happened to be one of those. I mean, so it's it's probably not a big time reporters. It's probably somebody that submitted an opinion or something like that. So it's I don't think that it, honestly I don't think that that's a mainstream ideal that most people have. Uh, and I think it's ridiculous. No, you're, yes, you are supposed to rehab yourself in prison, but it also is a punishment. I'm sorry. You know, if, if you've got a second DUI and you have to go to a Huber facility, which is the, the work release prison for 30 or 60 days, I think it is. Right. Um, you, that's not a rehabilitation. That's a punishment, man. Yeah. Have you ever had to drop anybody off at Huber? No. You have. Yeah, I had to drop someone off at Huber like every day. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the difference between growing up in, you know, a 98% versus a 1% neighborhood. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's, no, prisoners should not have cell phones. Now they should have, they should have time where they can go on the internet, you know, like a half hour a day or something like that, but not a cell phone. Should they provide like tissues and lube next to the internet computer? Well, I think, what, do you think there's dividers or do you think it's just like a long table with like five or six computers? I mean, would you, if, if you were in prison, would you openly jerk off in that room? Yeah. Okay. Well, I would also have to assume that those sites would be blocked. There would be like a child lock on that, on that sort of content. Yeah. I'd have to MacGyver that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, with our scout meetings, Every second and fourth Wednesday or first and third, I'm sorry, Tuesday, we have two areas reserved at the school. And so I can have two different dens coming in there. One area is like a large group area outside the third grade classrooms. And the other area is the entire cafeteria. So we can run games and obstacle courses and stuff like that. So I had two different dens, you know, both of my kids scout dens coming in on Tuesday for six o'clock meetings. And I get an email from the school at 4.15 saying, oh, yeah, I'm just reaching out to you to let you know that the cafeteria is not available tonight because we have a 4K event. And I have this as like a standing order that I did at the beginning of the school year that every first and third Tuesday, these areas belong to us. And it reminded me of this. Reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservations. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. (laughs) If you did, I'd have a car. (laughs) See, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. It's been a while since you did a Seinfeld clip. Yeah, and, you know, it's, and I know what happened. It was, this was, this was a, an event that was run by the superintendent who lives like three houses down from me. And he came in and looked at it and said, eh, it's the scouts. They'll figure it out. They're scouts. But fine. You knew about this event like weeks in advance. 
the fact that they gave me like an hour and a half's notice. We may do, but it was still kind of a, a pain in the ass. Um, and it's not like I can, you know, email this broad back who is like the secretary and chew her out and be like, I'm very disappointed in you. This is somebody that I have to work with, you know, on a regular basis. Right. So maybe you shouldn't be calling her a broad. <laughs> do you think she listens to this podcast? Well, I'm sure she does. Everybody yes, does. Everybody does. <laughs> so la- last week I had talked about how for Valentine's Day I'd made this frame, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to get into that. But it had been the first time that I'd actually used a 3D printer for a while. And it's one of those things where you forget about it. And then once you start using it, oh, I'm going to use it for this. I'm going to use it for that. And I had got a, a new game for the Nintendo Switch. And it was actually a Mario game. It was a remaster of a game from the Wii U. Uh, Super Mario 3D World, I think is what it's called. And I decided I'm going to print out a bunch of bullet bills. <laughs> Do you know what bullet bill is, Doug? No, I do not. It is a bullet that gets fired out of a cannon, and it's got like a, a red face, and it's got teeth and, and oh, hands is and crap. Is it from Mario? Yes. Okay. So I, I printed and I printed three of these out, and one of them is about ten inches tall, mm-hmm. and probably about like six inches in diameter, and it took like three days to print. Okay. <laughs> and my wife is why. And I I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> Out of all the cool shit that you could print, all the cool Star Trek and Star Wars things that you could print and, and give to your friends, this is what you've decided to do with your time. Yeah, well, there's a reason for it. Is This is uh, a print that has multiple different colors, and you have to assemble it together. So okay. it's also just kind of getting used to working with different colors and seeing how you can assemble them on the back end. See, I need a Star Trek phaser for my Star Trek shelf. This is just, you know, you, you, I've never told you this, but this is just something that you should assume that I need and that you should have been working on. So I, I don't know if you remember this or not. Last year, I actually did 3D print something for you that I took up to the shack. And you're yes. like, oh, I already have that. <laughs> so how the fuck am I supposed to know what you have? What, was it, what was it that you, what was it that you made? Headpiece. Yeah, but the, oh, my headpiece is like bronze and has a real gem in it. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm sorry, my smelting ability is enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember you making me. Did you bring it with you? Yeah, I brought it with you. I gave it to Lawn Chair. Oh, okay. Well, see, he see, you know, he likes cheaper things in life, whereas I like the finer <laughs> things in life. Did you ever get the um the fertility god? No, I did not. I, I figured one thing from Indiana Jones, and, and so I stuck with the headpiece. Okay. Eh, yeah. Not a bad choice. It's, I think it's more pivotal to the movie than the fertility idol is. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's harder to get accurate. And it's also, do you get, do you get the reproduction or do you get from tote or do you get the one with, uh, kadams on both sides? Or, I know they're not kadams. You actually sub- subtract a kadam for blah, 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 blah. But yeah. the, the one with writing on both, which one do you do? And so there, the there's one a bunch I got, of things. I mean, the one I got looks real authentic. It's it's pretty badass. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so my, again, my missus and I were talking, and she was trying to think of a, a teacher from middle school, and she went and grabbed her middle school yearbooks, and, and we were drinking the other night and looking through her middle school yearbooks. And it was fun. It is, you know, there are some teachers that I recognized and, you know, other like going through and I'm like, oh, wait a second, that person's a customer of mine. And, you know, it was, it was fun. And we got on to talking about, you know, 
how I was a free-range child and she was very sheltered. And um, I, how I would talk about going to on my bike and going and buying candy and comic books. And there was just this, you know, big jar of change that sat on top of the stove. And you would just reach in there and grab a bunch of nickels and dimes and quarters <clears throat> and go and do that stuff. And one of the candies that we talked about were, was Big League Chew. And I was like, oh, Big League Chew? I can't believe that they made, you know, fake chewing tobacco. So then I went and watched the commercial on YouTube. Yeah. And I, I found this line very humorous. Big League Chew, man-sized wads of great tasting. <laughs> man-sized wads. <laughs> yes, man-sized wads. But in that jar of change, that is where I would also grab my... Whatever it cost for a lunch at the middle school and the high school was like a buck twenty-five or ninety-five cents for the lunch. Or do you even remember? Right, your mom, I, I got a check. You got a check. Well, you would buy tickets. Yeah, you could either come in. You could buy, pre-buy like a sheet of tickets. That's why I, I, I pay. I bring a check and and they'd give me like you know ten or twelve or whatever it was of the right. tickets, and I had that. I just paid cash every day, so that's where I would go and buy. You know grab my lunch money was out of that big jar of change. So when you brought up Big League Chew, I, I didn't know where you were going to go with that. And okay. this actually kind of ties into something that is going on at my house. We have people staying at my house right now. When when you were when you were a chewer, did you have mm-hmm. like a did you have a spit cup or did you just use like a can or a bottle or whatever? No, I had I had a cup um, and, and you know when I lived with my parents or when I lived with my dad and my stepmom, I, I, you know, after I used that cup, I would rinse it out and I would stick it in the dishwasher. When I lived by myself, I just had a cup that sat by the sink. And yes, I would rinse that out and then put it back by the sink. I never washed it. Okay. And I remember my dad coming over one time and grabbing that cup and filling it up with water and taking a drink <laughs> of water. <laughs> you know, it kind of has that like brown film a little bit in it. Right. He just thought it was like that was the cup that because when we were when we were growing up as kids, there was a cup next to the kitchen sink, and it was like the community cup that everybody used to get a drink of water. Right. So, I, I don't. You probably don't have one of these, but when when you graduate, you get like this catalog of different things that you can buy, like T-shirts and mugs and banners and shit with your you know class of in my mm-hmm. case nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I bought that I still have is my class of 1990 mug. And it's got like this gold leaf on the top and it's got the names of everybody in the class on it. And it's got like the KM crust on it. But when I was in college, that was, that was my spitter cup. And okay. it just sat on my desk in, in my dorm room. And, uh, right at the beginning of work from home from COVID, I went through all the stuff in storage and reorganized it the best I could. And I had found this cup. And this cup had like this brown crap coated uh, on the bottom of it. So, you know, washed it, whatever. And then I didn't know what happened to it. I, cause I'd thrown it in the dishwasher so it got washed. So the other day I was emptying the dishwasher and that, that, that mug, that cam mug, my spitter was in the dishwasher. And I'm like, who, who's using this? It's one of the people that's staying at our house. Oh. <laughs> And, you know, it has a date on it. I would think you wouldn't want to use a, a mug that's 30 years old to start with. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of gross. 
we don't know where that cup has been, and it's certainly been many places. Yes, yes, it has. <laughs> yeah. So my my boy came home. Oh, what day was it? Thursday or was it? it Maybe even been yesterday. No, I think it was Thursday. And he's like, "Dad, we watched the Mars Perseverance lander land at, at school." I'm like, "Oh, what's that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's it's this new lander that's like a you know a little vehicle and it has a little drone on it and stuff." And I'm like, "That's funny. I didn't even know that that was happening." And it's a sad state of affairs when you know my homepage is Yahoo. And my homepage is just dominated by Trump, 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 Kardashians. It's just, you know, all kinds of useless shit. And um, my mother-in-law was over for lunch, and she's talking to my missus, and she's like, oh, I'm just, I'm so tired of seeing Trump everywhere. He's on CNN, he's on MSNBC. And I, I come out from, from my office, and I go, yeah, you know why that is? She's like, why? I'm like, because he's a cash cow. More people have watched those networks because of Trump, because it fuels their anger. And it's, it makes them happy that somebody else believes the same thing that they feel. And now that Trump is out of office, those news networks are like, oh, shit, we got to do something. Let's keep talking bad about Trump. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's a ton of that. And um, I have one last thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I In the open... One of the things that is two guys that haven't had strange trim in nearly two decades. And that is actually uh, based on one of the things that's in, in the movie today. But just curious, could you actually tell me the last time you had sex with someone that wasn't your missus? Um, yeah. Uh, it was November or yeah, November of, or maybe it was early December of 2003 okay okay december 18th 1999 okay and the only reason i know that is it was my buddy's wedding and i i went to the wedding i went to the reception and i had this date Mm -hmm. and then we went back to my house afterwards and this was a woman who was on the fence about dating me or dating this other guy and she freaked out and said "I, i don't know what i'm doing i'm doing and so she left Mm-hmm. So then, you know, I, I did what anybody does in that situation. I, I called another girl <laughs> <laughs> and went to her house. And it was, it, it kind of ties back into like last week, what we talked about with uh, the hate fuck. This was okay. a woman that I had met a handful of times and she was friends with my old roommate. And we had been out at the bars together and she and I just did not get along. We hated each other because, you know, we were both so cocksure about whatever. And so I called her up. I said, Hey, um, my, my date flamed out tonight. What are you doing? She's like, why are you, why are you asking me? I'm like, well, I figured, you know, you're not doing anything cause you have no life. She's like, just come over. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you her name, but I, I can tell you it was a good time. Okay. Yeah. This was the, this was the girl that, that, I had to chase down the street because my phone was in her car after I broke up with her. Yeah. Everything and was a callback. It, it's, it's funny because my question this week for you is going to tie directly into that. So. Okay. All right. So that's all I got for what's going that's on. That's all I got as well. Matt and Doug are at it again. Guess that sound and you are awesome. What movie will it be from? I really want to know. Right one duck. 
Yeah, this is. I, I fixed it. What have you so, been <laughs> I fixed yeah. it on the board. Okay. Great. In one of your stories, I was getting bored, so I had to do some busy work oh, <laughs> at thanks, that time. Man. So thanks. this one is the backup one I had for last time. It was Son of the Week for me. And okay. you, I'll give it a 50-50 shot. You should get it. Okay. Oh. And it's long. It, okay. It's not two seconds long like yours was. So here okay. we go. <laughs> Any clue? Robocop. Oh. Yeah, that is Robocop. It's when the... Hold on, hold on. Dick, you're fired. <laughs> right? No, that's actually... That's at the end of the movie. Okay. This is before then. This is when they're first introducing the the second Robocop, the, the fully automated one. The one with oh, the two legs. Yes. The yes. EV-409 or something. And he, he, and he, kills, he kills a dude by accident. Yeah, because he, he, they say tell him to point a gun at it, mm-hmm. and then and then the, drop your weapon, and he drops it, and he's like, <laughs> "You have ten seconds to comply," and he just starts freaking the fuck out. Yes, yeah, okay. So you right. got it. Good job, Doug. At first, I thought it was Terminator when he was like the, the exoskeleton. Oh, in the thing it. at the end. Yes, and then I heard the voices, and I'm like, "No, that's Robocop." So I, my last two sounds of the week have been really difficult because yes, they. They, they were short. Uh, next week, you should be able to get it, no problem. Okay. Yeah, I, the, the thing you're talking about in the factory at the end of Terminator, I mm. actually was going to use that, but I couldn't find any that didn't have the music in it. Uh, and the, yeah, music the music is, is kind of like a dead yeah. giveaway. Sure, sure. Okay. So you thirsty? I am thirsty. What you drinking? You don't have to tell me you have to run away and go go get something? No, I got it. Well, okay, yes, yes. <laughs> you love using that clip, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this week I am drinking Woodsford Reserve. Oh, that's a good that's that's good bourbon also. Yeah. Yeah. Switching I I buy, I, buy, I buy the family size uh, bottle at Costco. <laughs> it's like sixty four ounces. It's huge. Yeah, it's 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 cost effective, but it also is just like it shows how much of a problem you have. <laughs> but it's it's <laughs> good, I, it's smooth. I like it. I drank yeah, it's very smooth. I drank some I drank I had some last night. Yeah. It's the nice thing about the Wood Woodford Reserve is I don't get a headache from it. I had this bourbon a couple of days ago and I woke up and just had the worst headache. So But before you get into yours as far yes. as what you're drinking, I was I have my other ones. I just have like a glass of mm-hmm. You know the bourbon, and mm-hmm. then I was I have a cooler, and I actually filled it with snow. I sent you a picture of it. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. But I was putting it together, and I put like seven different drinks in there. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that's at my house right now, they said, "Are you going to drink all those during your podcast, or is that you know?" So you have a choice. I'm, oh, it's just so I have choice. Right. So what are you drinking with the Woodford Reserve? Uh, seven. Okay. Have you ever just thought about having Woodford Reserve on the rocks with just a splash of water? No, nah, it it it's that's too much for me. 
That's too much for you? Okay. Yeah. All right. I am drinking. I got, uh, it was my birthday. And you know what? I forgot to mention in housekeeping that I thanked you for the birthday wish, but I didn't thank those four fabulous ladies uh, that wished me happy birthday. So thank you, uh, wife of show, Jen, uh, New Zealand Debbie or Australia Debbie, who I could have gotten with, but I didn't because I'm an idiot. Uh, friend of Doug, Tracy and Hot Milf. Um, oh, God. Why can't I think of her first name? Now? Leslie. Leslie, yes. It was her birthday this week, too. Oh, well. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> anyway, um, my missus got me a six-pack of beer for my birthday. Uh, and it's uh, she got me other things, but the six-pack of beer was one of them. And I, I'm i now drinking that. That's a New Belgium Captain Dynamite IPA Voodoo Ranger. So I've not had it. You know, we're about to get into the movie, but you brought it up in the uh, opinions of Matt. So when Doug sends me clips, he will send me clips, and then he'll send me clips, and he said, don't listen to this. So the first mm-hmm. time I'll hear it is when it's being p- played for the podcast. And when they he said opinions of Matt, I thought it was like a turnabout thing where you had gotten oh. clips from people. <laughs> and I was going to be all touched, but no, it well, I did. We reached out to the, you know, two former presidents of the United States of America, Matt. That, that, that was not easy. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about the movie. So which one did I pull? Uh, well, I suggested that you pull Robert Plant and the Honey Drippers. Yeah. And actually, I didn't pull either of them. I pulled a different one. I was looking oh. for a, like a heavy metal version of it, but okay. I could not find one. So I pulled right. this one. Oh, that's a sound clip. <laughs> Sea of Love was released on September 15, 1989. It was directed by Harold Becker, best known for Taps, Vision Quest, and Malice. It was written by Richard Price, best known for The Color of Money, Ransom, and the 2000 reboot of Shaft. The movie stars Al Pacino. Hey, what's up, Jess? I came to see how Brian's... Sorry, I'm just making an Al Pacino. Who needs no introduction? Ellen Barkin, best known for Eddie and the Cruisers and the Big Easy. Not, um, who did you think it was? You didn't think it was Ellen Barkin. You thought it was... Uh, Ellen Burstyn? Ellen Burstyn, yeah. <laughs> Old bag. Uh, <laughs> and uh, John Goodman, best known for bankrupting buffets at the Golden Corral. got to get out of this house or I'll be in worse shape than John Goodman. I've got your EKG here. How does it look? Well, it spells out pancakes. Oh, okay, so same as last time. (laughs) It also has William Hickey as the dad, Michael Rooker as the cable guy, Richard Jenkins as Gruber, who is very much a that guy guy. Uh, Finally, Samuel L. Jackson has a bit role as black guy, but still manages to get a fuck out in the few lines of dialogue he has. Rooker is another one of those that guy guys. Uh, what do you think he's best known for? Um, well, he was on The Walking Dead. Okay. Uh, but Cliffhanger? I would say he's best known as being the original bad guy in Days of Thunder. Oh, yeah. 
I wouldn't say he's a bad guy, though. In the beginning, he kind of is. And then the other one would be he's the blue guy with the whistling arrow in the Guardians of the Galaxy yes, movies. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But the, the movie cost $19 million and grossed 110. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 76 with critics and 66 with audiences. Had you seen this film before? Nope. Not one second of it. I have seen parts of this film before. And that means that it's probably something that I rented. So I probably had sex during this film, which is why I do not remember the back half of this at all. Okay. So the movie starts and... There's what I would call some jaunty music at the beginning. Oh, it's bad 80s soundtrack right from the get-go. And I was surprised, you know, given that it's Sea of Love, I would have figured that there would have been a Sea of Love version played here. Sure. But we're shown just backgrounds of New York, and we see the Twin Towers, and we see a Bell logo on a building, which definitely dates when this movie was. Yes. And we see... A porn theater. Yep, triple X theaters. Do you think Pee Wee Herman was in there? (laughs) I thought that was Florida. I have no idea, but this must have been before Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. Yeah. Do you remember when we went to New York City? Yes. Was that, that was, was. That would have been 94, summer 94. Maybe, I don't know. But I mean, that was. He had just finished, he was either starting or had just finished cleaning up Times Square. He had started, it still, it still had some CD elements to it, not nearly yeah. like in this theater, or in this theater, in this movie, but. Yeah. You know, on, so, the, on, the, on the marquee of the porn theater, it says six new movies each Wednesday. Super clean hits, or super clear hits, safe and comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, do you remember, they used to play X-rated um, films at a theater in, in Waukesha. They did? Yeah, in downtown Waukesha. I, I saw, that's where I saw Cliffhanger. You sure it was Cliffhanger, not Clithanger? <laughs> I think it was called The Picks, right? The Picks is, is, yeah, one of them. One of the theaters. Okay. The, the main one. Actually, I saw Star Wars in a re-release there. At The Picks? Yes. Okay. All right. But as we're continuing to see things in New York City, we, we see some horrors. Yes, and, and just like in lingerie and garters. Yeah, I, I've, I love the thong as clothes in public. You don't see yes. that very often. No, you certainly do not. So then we settle on a building. Did that building look familiar to you? Was it where uh, um, what Joey and, and Chandler live? It's a friend's building, correct. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even, I, 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 that was a stab in the dark. So I'm really, good. I'm really good at this podcast. <laughs> okay. But we, we get to the interior of an apartment and Sea of Love is playing on a 45. Did you ever have 45s, Doug? I did. Um, I remember I had uh, Howard Jones. Oh, 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 oh. You're supposed to echo that. Okay. Yeah, this is, this came out in 89. So 45s would have kind of already started to take a backseat, definitely to cassettes, but also to CDs, I think, by this point. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. But we, we see some ass cheeks and we he see. He's making some grunting noises from like a German porn film. And I, and I, at first I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was humping the bed or if he was humping somebody. I I thought he was humping a pillow, but or humping the bed, one of the two. Yeah, and I, I do 
remember this this part of the movie. So I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. I have definitely seen parts of this. And then he gets shot, and we get to this next scene, which is probably the next day, and it is a breakfast with the Yankees. And right away, I knew this was a sting. Yeah. Right away. Immediately. Yeah, and you can kind of tell by the people that are showing up there that this is probably not a legit thing. Right. Because why? Why, why Matt? We'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. We you must be wise, cautious. You got some wise guys there and some crack dealers and not a, you know, it's, it's all, it's all bad looking dudes. And two people think that Al Pacino is Phil Rizzuto. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't pull the, um. Oh, from Seinfeld? Yeah. The, the yeah. keychain key thing? Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. And then we get Samuel L. Jackson walking in and they tell them that this is actually a, a sting. These are all people that have outstanding warrants. But hold on, they they, they say, "Hey, Al Pacino comes up on stage. And he's like, I got some good news and I got some bad news. What do you want first? And they all want the good news. But then that's where Samuel Jackson's like, "Fuck that, man! Give us the bad news." <laughs> he's got two lines of dialogue. Manages to get a fuck in. Yeah. And the bad, the bad news, news is, is they're yeah, under arrest. The, yeah. The good news is they all get screwdrivers. <laughs> And what is the occasion that they're giving them vodka for, for screwdrivers? Uh, it's Frank's 25th anniversary. 20th. He's 20th. This guy's 20 years in his cop. Which would make him, what? Uh, probably 42. 40, 43, 40, yeah, something like that. But that also makes him eligible to, to retire with full be- pension benefits. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, that, that has changed now. It's, it's no longer 20 years. It's, I think it's, 25 or 30 years because I got a, I got a buddy who's a lieutenant on the Brookfield Police Department. <laughs> he knows his exact date of retirement. And it's oh, like yeah. three or four years from now. Yeah. Knows the exact date. Yeah. I would, I'd call him sick on his last day from work. Good stuff mm-hmm. never happens your last day of work as a cop. Oh, yeah. Or you're getting too old for this shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But they're done and they're leaving and some guy comes running up with his kid and he's like, hey, is it too late? Is it too late? And he said, well, the invite was just for you. And he's like, I can't meet, who's it, Daryl Strawberry? I think so. No, uh, Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. And they, they get his name. And, and what is he wanted for? Uh, B&E or Grand Theft Auto? He has two outstanding warrants for a Grand Theft Auto. Okay. And so they he lets him go. And yes. it, it's basically to show that he, he's got a heart. Yes. And... Later, um, Pacino is in his apartment. And did you know how tall Al Pacino is? Was he like 5'4"? Four? Four, he's not 4'10". He's, he's, he's a short guy. He's not, four, he's not four, ten. <laughs> but he's, he, in the, Okay, in this movie, it looks like he needs to take up exercising, like jazzercise or something. He, he, he doesn't look well. He looks young, though. I mean, obviously, used to not him as, now, but... Not as young as, like, Godfather, the first Godfather. Oh, no. I mean, he, he looks like... a a baby in the Godfather films. Yeah. But he still, he still looks like he's unhealthy as fuck. Yeah. Well, that's possibly because he's drinking alone and he's, he's having a heater in bed. Right. And he's (laughs) hammered and he's hammered several times during this film. Sure. Sure. But he calls this guy Gruber. This is Hans Gruber. I assume you realize the futility of direct action against me. We have no wish for further loss of life. No, not that Gruber. Loved one has been injured by a semi truck. Call Gruber Law Offices now. 
One call, that's all. No, the other Gruber. Okay. <laughs> the guy the guy who plays the dad in Six Feet Under, he also has a pretty prominent role. He always plays kind of quirky, funny characters. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? Yes. That is gr- a great movie. That's the one where they have, like, the whiteboard, I think it is, of all the different things that it possibly can be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, that was a movie that actually, that's that's not J.J. Who is it that did that? Is that Whedon? I, I think, think that's so. Whedon. Yeah. And it, it sat on a shelf for a while. And I thought it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Interesting little idea of, you know, these people are kind of conjuring up these scenarios. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was clever. And it was funny, too. But um, he's trying to talk to his ex-wife on the phone, and, and she hangs up on him. Right. And then we go back to the friend's building, and a neighbor comes out of her apartment, and she's annoyed. What is she annoyed by? Because Sea of Love is just playing over and over and over again. It's like one of my children with one of their toys just hitting the same fucking button over and over again. And finally, I'm like, if you hit that again, I'm throwing that thing out. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's like, you know, they were in their room listening to Wet-Ass Pussy. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't that the song that you talked about, or was it a different no, one? No, it was Watermelon High or something. Oh, okay. About Chow and Box. Okay. But when did you ever run into something like that in college? Did you ever live in the dorms? I lived in the dorms for a year, and I, I disliked it very, very much. Actually, I take that back. My first semester was fun, and then my roommate, who... We specifically, the guy I went to high school with, we specifically, you know, applied to live together. And he had way too much fun. And he's just like, dude, I can't live here anymore. So he went back home and then he commuted. And then I had another guy who I had become friends with because he didn't like his roommate. And he moved in with me. And that was a fucking nightmare. Why? Just too much partying or just kind of uh, a dick? It's just kind of a dick. Yeah. So. Yeah, kind, of, kind of a dick. There's a guy. He would, he, would, he would come back at like two o'clock in the morning with a chick and be like, "Dude, you got to get out of here. I want to fuck this chick." I'm like, "Go find somewhere else to fuck, man. I'm sleeping." Well, as UWM, I mean, just do it in like the common area. That's what I said. I'm like, do it in the common area. It's two o'clock in the morning. Ain't nobody gonna see it. Nobody cares, right? So, in freshman year of, of college, there was a guy who went to Waukesha South, and he had the dorm room next to ours. And for his 18th or 19th birthday. His roommate, who also went to Waukesha South, bust in his his high school girlfriend, who had who was going to University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they had Madonna's The Immaculate Collection on repeat for like three days while they fucked, oh. <laughs> and it was like Madonna and and sex noises for three days. For three days, yeah, yeah, that's great. But the the neighbor bangs on the door, and it is ajar. Well, yeah. it's a door, but it's open. And it comes open, and she, I don't know if, does she scream? Either way, she finds the body. Yeah, she got quite the surprise. Yeah. And so then we see Pacino is there, and he's talking to the doorman. And he kind of has this way of of talking to people to make them feel good about who they are, make them feel important. Well, it's part of his job. He explains that, hey, this is what I do. This is how I get people to share information with me. And, And Gruber is there. At this point... Is Gruber his boss or? No, Gruber is his, is also a homicide detective. Okay, so it's not his partner. He's just like a peer. Yes, okay. I believe so. But we find out that Gruber, his coworker, is, is fucking his ex. And right. they, they walk into the crime scene 
and there's some Keystone cops sitting there talk at the crime scene, having you know, heaters, having heaters, just you know contaminating everything in the crime scene. Yeah, the the any evidence they had found there would be inadmissible in court if you had anything even resembling a decent lawyer. Right. But so we are treated to our our second example of man ass and Gruber and Frank, which is Al Pacino's character, are talking about the ex while they're examining the body. Yeah, and then they they kind of come to an agreement, you know, where where Frank apologizes, and he does this several times with Gruber, and Gruber's always like, okay, I accept your apology, (laughs) and they're shaking hands over the dead body. (laughs) And they think that this is pretty straightforward, and what do they think, or who do they think was the, the doer? That's what they call him, right, the doer? Uh, I don't know, but it, well, they think it was it was they think it was like kind of a first date sort of thing. Look, I'll check everybody out, but to tell you the truth, I think it boils down to grabbing the strange trim he got hooked up with. I mean, this guy's a swordsman extraordinaire. Yeah, because apparently you break out the forty fives when you're trying to impress somebody. <laughs> no, you know, it has been a minute since I heard "strange trim" used properly in context. And mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, it, it made me smile. That's exactly why I pulled that clip, because it made me smile as well. And it was in my list of clips to pull that I didn't have to because you did it for me. Well, the first time I ever heard the term trim used was when we were in Germany and we went on a bike ride in Munich. And the guy, our guide, God, what was his name? It was Mike's it was a, bike tour or Ike's bike tours. I remember Mike's, that. It was Mike's bike tour, but our guide was an American. Good looking guy. He had a strange name, but... I remember you saying to him, dude, I bet you get all kinds of trim. He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of us got some that night. No, I I could have gotten some that night. Oh, you got a phone number. That counts, doesn't it? Yes, yes, from a girl from southwest Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) But Frank is talking to the doorman, and he's he's asking about people that have visited, and – there's lots of heaters in this film over and over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the next scene is Frank is talking to cable installers. Right. And one of the cable installers is telling a, a story about something that happened on a game show. You want to go into that? Yeah, the newlywed game. He's talking about what happened on the newlywed game. And this is a very famous clip. And I unfortunately, there's not an unedited version of it. Questions, Girls, tell me where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally, girls, have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? Um. (laughs) So, a couple things about this. Um, The host, I can't remember if that's Wink Martindale or the other guy. Bob Eubanks. Bob Eubanks. Apparently, he's just a a real cocksucker in, in real life. But for the longest time, he... He denied that that ever happened. He right. said he said that it was apocryphal. It had never happened. And then he actually saw. I saw him hosting a bunch of like clip shows, and that's always the number one clip on these right. game show clip shows. But just for fun, I decided to do a little bit of our own little newlywed game thing here. Oh God! So just listen to this. Okay, this is just a. This is just a thing this to see if we're on the same page. So newlywed game style. To Where is the strangest place that you've made whoopee? It's coming. 
In a public bathroom? Bathroom of hotel in Cancun. Ding, ding. <laughs> so I was actually pretty proud of that because okay. I was part of that. So I told her, you know, just so you know, that is not the weirdest place I have. Can you tell me the weirdest place that I have, Doug? Uh, in a castle? Or, or outside of a castle next to a ping pong table? On a ping on pong a, table. <laughs> on yes. a stone bench? Yes. No, it's on a ping pong table. Was it on the ping pong table? Oh, yeah. I had her bent over the ping pong table. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah. when I told her that, she then came back with this. Okay. I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about the strangest place for Matthew and I. But if you're just talking about the strangest place where I've had sex, I would probably go with in a moving car. He's driving and oh. I'm sitting on top of him on the freeway. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I was not part of that. Yeah, she's she's quite the mix. <laughs> and then the last one I said, okay, for Doug, what would you say the strangest place that Doug has had whoopee is? So I give you your answer, Doug, and then I will see if she matches it. The strangest place that I've had whoopee? Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> no, she said. I would say Doug's master bedroom. <laughs> See, I would I, I would have went with the other side of the bed. <laughs> the other side of the bed, yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, and then okay. Well, you know what? I've had sex at the Shangri-La several times. Okay, with, with several different women, and that will come into the question of the week. Did, so you're tired. You're tying a lot of interesting things into the question of the week. Were any of them uh, horse trainers? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the next scene, we see more man-ass humping pillows. And another death has happened. And now we're introduced to John Goodman. And he is a detective from another precinct. And there has been the same type of murder. <coughs> yeah. And, and you know what? As soon as I saw him... Uh, I expected him to die in this movie because that's usually what happens I, in this type of movie. I was shocked he didn't. I yeah. There's a, a couple points where I thought, it's, oh, here's where he here's where he buys it. Here here's where he buys it, and he never did. And I was very surprised by that. Oh, and mm -hmm. we should say, uh, obviously, spoilers for this podcast. Yeah, John Goodman's character does not die, but they, so they're at an event where where they are swearing in new detectives, and the first thing that we see is Frank fighting. With, like, another guy, but it's, like, play fighting. And he's doing, like, rapid, I would call him, like, rabbit punches. Yes. Yeah. So, but now, you know, Frank and his name, John Goodman's character's name is Sherman. Yes. Detective Sherman. I don't know what his first name is. But they are talking about this case that, you know, that they have, that they have similarities. And, and Frank is talking about the song Sea of Love. Sea of Love. Jesus. Come with me, my love, to the sea, the sea of love. I want to tell you how much I love you. Yeah, thin God John Goodman is, is still fat. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so Frank is ta also talking about how he admires the killer. Right. But now, next we see the party is over. 
they're out in like this stairway hallway where all the cops are leaving this function. And he's giving Gruber the business. And Gruber grabs him and Frank kind of goes off on him with the <laughs> rabbit punches. Like, just pop, 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 pop. Yeah. And, of course, later he apologizes. And like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Right. Again. I mean, Frank, he's, he's he, obviously he's an alcoholic. Right. He's, he, he's drunk in this scene as well. Yeah. He's a functioning alcoholic. And that's what alcoholics do. They, they, they fuck up and then they admit guilt and they apologize and then they keep on making the same mistake. Almost like an abusive husband or an abusive wife where it's just like, smack! Oh, I'm sorry. I, but I love you. I would never do that to you again. Until next time. Yes, until next time. So we're, we're back at the Friends building and Frank goes back to the scene of the first murder. Absolutely hammered. Mm-hmm. And almost passes out. There's this stylized art on the wall above the bed. Did you recognize this art? Is that where it's like the chick is like all white and she has black hair, like a black eye? But it's very stylized, almost like a neon type aesthetic. Yes. Do you you know the artist that does those? Uh, um, Javier. uh, (laughs) Just say no. no. It's Patrick Nagel. I actually had to look it up because I reckon there was a lot of playboy in the 80s and 90s that had a lot of his art in it yes yes and my question is can you just go and sleep at a crime scene is that no, I don't is that think allowed so. no i don't think so and there is a blood stain uh, on the mattress kind of small localized but right. someone is ringing the buzzer mm-hmm. and who is there a gal with a bunch of balloons in each hand right and she says that she was answering an ad of his. Yes. But this raises a couple questions in my mind. What kind of blind date goes directly to a guy's apartment with balloons? Yeah, that's that's it, it was a little creepy. I you know, I, I would think it's a blind date you want to meet in a neutral place where you can exit if you need to. You you're going to his place, you're down to clown. You're you're definitely there to fuck. Yeah. Have you ever been on a blind date? Uh, not blind. I've been on like setups where we knew each other, but okay. I never went in completely blind. How about yourself? Um, yeah, no, a couple of them. And uh, one was we had talked on the phone several times, and I was like, wow, this chick is, you know, she's pretty cool. And this is going to sound extremely shallow because it is. And then I met her, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> you know, because. Unfortunately, women are like, oh, my friend, she's so pretty. She's so cute. Yeah, they have like she a, a big, great big fat person. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I got that accent even close to right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's that is not the case. That was not the case. And then the other one was uh, a gal that I met on Yahoo Singles. I actually did have somebody that I met through like a, a Yahoo. I don't know if it was Yahoo or it was a different one. And we met at a, a bar in downtown Columbus. And she completely had lied about her whole story because she wasn't from Columbus. She was just in town for an event. And she was living with a guy and all these other things. She was really oh. cute, though. Yeah. Did you bang her? No, no, I oh. did not. Yeah. And the one that the only date that I ever went on for like online dating, I dated her for. I don't know, three or four months, and then I broke up with her to marry my missus. <laughs> <laughs> did you get your phone back? I did get my phone back. Yes, I did. Okay. 
So it's it's 30 minutes in to this film at this point. Ellen Barkin has not made an appearance yet. No, she has And not. she is the second lead of this film. Correct. But Frank and uh, Sherman are comparing notes, and they find that the prints match from both cases. Mm-hmm. And so they decide that they're going to work together, and they're going to work out of Manhattan because I think uh, Sherman is out of Queens, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he's absolutely thrilled that he's working out of Manhattan. Right. And we also find out Goodman's kid is getting married this weekend because he has to leave to go get fitted for a tuxedo. Right. Would you invite someone you literally just met to go to your wedding? No. But have you ever been in that situation where you've been drinking and you meet some people and you're like, oh, yeah, we should get together and let's hang out and let's do this. Have you ever been in that situation before? Oh, yeah. You, okay. you say things you really, really do not mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, like when my missus and I were on our honeymoon in Charleston, South Carolina, we went to this rooftop bar. And it was really, really cool because it, it looked out over the harbor. And we started hanging out with these people, and we're talking, and, and we're just, yeah, we just got married a couple of days, and they were really, really nice, but it's like, oh, you know, you should come and, you should come on our boat on the river tomorrow, it'll be great, and uh, we're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, and then the next morning, it's just like, we don't know who these people are, and they want to take us out on their boat? Yeah, it's a, it's a swinger thing. Yeah, or it's, they want to murder us. <laughs> well, you know, either one's good. So, but we, we, you know, they gave us their phone number. We never called them, and, and I, I've been in that situation plenty of other times as well. Yeah, that that that's tough. Where it's kind of like you know, it, it's not tough on the person that does the inviting. It's tough on the invitee because it's almost impossible to say no. Right, but then it's also. I mean, it, it may have been awkward if we had called them the next day and they're like, "Ooh, ooh, yeah, we were drinking. We really didn't mean that." And now we're stuck with these people sober. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you got to pregame any of those events. Right. So they're at they're at the wedding reception, and the band is there. Yeah, they're playing. The first song that they're playing is Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Right. Not the best cover. No, but they come up with a plan. Frank and, and Sherman come up with a plan. And they're going to place... A rhyming ad because apparently uh, everybody that has been killed has used poetry in their singles ad. Right. So you don't want to talk anymore about the band? Well, yeah. But while they're talking, there's a song in the background that this cover band is playing. Aunts, ties, yeah. But like you said, they're going to set, uh, they want to set a trap. With a rhyming poem in these, in these singles, are they singles magazines or is it a newspaper or? It's is it like the Shepherd Express where it's a free newspaper or is it like the New Yorker or the Atlantic or the New York Times that these ads are in? I don't know. We never really know. But they're they're going through all of the stats of the people that placed ads in. How many total people in the last month had placed rhyming ads? I do not have that information. I don't have the total numbers of total number of ads, but there was three total people that had placed rhyming ads in the last month. Mm-hmm. And so right before they go to see the third guy, Frank apologizes to Gruber. Again. And he, he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. 
And as they're on the way, they're driving to go see the the third guy. I think it's Frank actually reads the poetry from the second victim. Yes. Loneliness and silence envelop a heart that pounds like thunder. All the love I have inside is ripping me asunder. <laughs> the city is a jungle of pain, but my love is from the soul. So be so kind as to answer to Zed and you can write on my poll. <laughs> but there's a little bit of a surprise with the, the third guy who placed an ad. He's married and has children. <laughs> how, how do you, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably a way. But what does he explain to his wife why the cops were there? Mm, I don't have that information either. Because you, you got to figure. He, oh, he, does, he, he doesn't really, he never does, he doesn't explain. No, but he he has to because the, right. the cops don't talk to the guy in front of the family. So he right. has that opportunity where that has to be just chugging through his mind. What can I say? What are they here for? What is this about? Just a way to cover his tracks. What would you say? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to give that up in case I need it sometime. <laughs> My wife listens he's, to this podcast. He's got to say something. Yeah, that, I mean, that, and he doesn't have a lot of time to to pussyfoot no. around it. He basically he's biding his time while he's talking to the detectives. As soon as he's done being interrogated by the detectives, he's going to get interrogated by his wife. Well, it's he's got to come up with something like somebody that I worked with that did something. He doesn't have to tell her that they're homicide detectives, right? And he also could say that you know I can't say too much about it because it's an ongoing investigation, but there is something at work where they think somebody is laundering money or, or something like that. Sure. But they, he says that he never followed up on any of the responses he got. Right. And the cops don't believe him. Frank and Sherman don't believe him because how much was it, did it cost to place an ad? Like 300 bucks. Right. Which and then talk, and then also talking about getting, or you got a pad in the city where you can, which is five hundred bucks a month, and yeah. yeah. So what? Just the three hundred dollar ad. What is that in twenty twenty one dollars? I don't know. Six hundred and thirty three. Okay, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I I thought three hundred dollars. I mean, I've I placed a classified ad for like selling something. It wasn't a uh, personal ad one time, and I think it was like thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. And that was sometime in the last 20 years because it was in Columbus. So I, I right. that's that's fucking serious money. Yeah. But uh, so the cops are they're Frank and Sherman. They are basically they're selling their pitch to the chief. This is what we want to do. They want to basically set this trap. And this it, is like this is like a family guy episode. Yeah. Or a family guy sequence because they're they're trying to sell this to the LT and the LT is like, no, we're not going to do it. And then what's the very next scene? Well, the next scene is the the, uh, the third guy died. <laughs> the guy that they were just talking to is dead. And then what's the next scene after that? Then they're actually doing what they said they weren't going to do. <laughs> right. The LT agrees to it. He's like, okay, we'll do it then. But he wants Frank to but, wear but a wire. Before that, before that, when, okay. when, when they are trying to push this idea... The mm-hmm. chief thinks that Frank wants to do this for a different reason, and he doesn't think he wants to do it because of the case. He oh, thinks he, want- he thinks he thinks Frank is lonely, which that we have established already that Frank is a lonely man. But what he called yeah. Frank calling his ex-wife. But the, the, the chief gives Frank an interesting alternative to trying this this sting operation. Frankie, you want me to? I'll set you up with my sister-in-law. Has that? She got great tits. Divorced. No kids. No cats. 
Little loose sister-in-law. She sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I almost pulled that. But they said it in the film, but I was thinking this too. They should have tailed that guy. The third guy, they should have put somebody on him to just right. follow him for like a day or two. But you're right. After the, it is very much bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. They try it. No, guy's dead. Okay, now you can do it, but you have to wear a wire. And no goes, sex. You have to keep your receipts. But Frank says, what is she going to do? Confess? Shoot me? We're in a restaurant. Well, what happened in a restaurant in The Godfather? <laughs> he shoots the chief of police and the head of the Gambino family. And then he just waves a gun around and then just walks out. He drops the gun. Oh, does he drop it? Yeah, because Paulie tells him to drop the gun. Just drop, leave the gun there. And he got it from behind the toilet tank, right? Yes. But my question is, is this legal, what they're doing right here? Because the whole point is to get the the people who respond to the ads, get their fingerprints off of, like, the glasses. and then, right. But is this legal or not? I, I, I am not a lawyer, nor do I claim to know much about the law, so I have no idea. So they actually are crowdsourcing the, the poem that they want to place an ad. And mm-hmm. here's what happens. I live along within myself like a hut within the woods. I keep my hard eye upon a shelf, barren of other goods. I need another's arms to reach for it and place it where it belongs. I need another's touch and smile to fill my hut with songs. His annoy his voice annoys the fuck out of me. <laughs> well, do you know who that is? Yeah, that's um, William Hickey, Uncle Lewis from Christmas Vacation. You you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Yeah, I mean he he's been in a ton of things. Right. There's also a black dude that is there. What else has he been in? Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I think he's in Eddie and the Cruisers. He might be. He's, sometimes he wears like a, a hat. Like, I don't know. Suspect is hatless. Repeat, hatless. <laughs> it's a Simpsons thing. But okay. they're, they're using Frank's mom's high school poem as mm-hmm. bait. And we find out that Frank is basically responsible. He's taking care of his old his old man. But at the precinct, they're going through this whole batch of letters. And both Frank and Sherman are separately calling these respondents. Yes. They're calling from the precinct. Right, but they didn't have caller ID. No, but just the background noise. Uh, Phones ringing, people talking. You can't do it. Yeah, I I just, I question that. And I I do like that they have a, a chart, like a, almost like a spreadsheet of, all the dates, and they're doing them back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, okay, well, if he's eating at each of these, that's going to be a problem. But even more so, he's drinking at all these, which is definitely right. going to be a problem. Well, it's a, I mean, he, he talks about at one point he's he's hammered, and then when Sherman does this, where Sherman plays the, the lonely man, he's hammered also. Yeah. and yeah. But he's wearing a wire, and it's a, it's a busy restaurant, and... Mm-hmm. Goodman character Sherman is undercover as the waiter. Right. And he's got three dates that night. 
Who's his first, first date with? Old Cougar. <laughs> yeah, I had an old bag. Yeah. But he gets Prince off of the wine glass, and Sherman almost drops right. the glass in, in the kitchen. Yes, very comedic. And then the second date is this paranoid chick, and she's like, you got cop eyes. <laughs> There's oh, yeah? something uh, not right about this. Oh? What do you mean? I don't know. Like what? You got cop's eyes. Cop's eyes? Yeah, you look at me and I feel like I did something. Like I did something? Like what? Yeah, my ex-husband was a cop. What? Would you say you're uh What are you? You're a printer? You're a printer. I got a dick. Well, I didn't doubt it for a minute, baby. But you, you totally blew by the fact that the cougar, she just wants to bang. Yeah. And he comes up with a lame excuse, and she comes up a little bit later because she does not leave the restaurant. No, she does not. And finally, I think at 43 minutes in, Ellen Barkin finally shows up. Yes. And what is her name? Helen. What's Frank's last name? Frank. Helen. <laughs> Is it? Okay, Frank Keller. So it'd be so Helen it, Heller? Yeah, if they got married, yeah. Her name would be Helen Keller. <laughs> okay. I thought you said Heller. I did not realize that. Yes. But Barkin's hot, I think. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know if that is leather or pleather, mm. but whatever it is, it's it's the jacket works for her, and she shoots him down hard in a hurry. Right. Not his type. You're not my type, and she's not touching her wine glass. Have you ever had dates that went that badly? No. I have. Okay. I actually, I was working when I was a park ranger. I had a date with somebody from the park, and all of like the park rangers, which I was one of them, we'd get together every night and go to this bar and this bar and this bar, and, hey, we're going to be at such and such a bar. Are you, you coming? I'm like, oh, no, I got a date, and it was with a lifeguard. And I met them at the bar by 830. Okay. And then I had to work with her, not just the rest of that summer, but also the following summer. Oh. Yeah, it was not good. But uh, so he's got two more going on after Barkin. And we see that the old lady is watching him. She's just sitting in the restaurant and she's been crying. Yeah, he made her sad. Yeah. And the next day... He's hungover, and they're down at the precinct. And who is there to see him? The cable guy. Yeah, the guy from the cable guy. The guy from the cable guy. The guy from the cable company is there. And he's giving him a lead on a delivery boy. Right. And I don't know if it was supposed to read this way or not, but it's just possible that the the cable guy might be just a tad racist. A little bit. And they actually, Frank and Sherman, they track down the grocery store that this kid was from and he got fired from the grocery mm-hmm. store. So they're having no luck uh, following up on him. And then it's at night and Frank is getting fruit from, I don't know if you call that a bo- bodega or a fruit stand. I don't It's uh, yeah. He's, he's getting some peaches. We saw them in Seinfeld all the time where it was one of the places where Kramer got his Mackinac peaches. Right. And then another time he got bad peaches and he went and complained to the owner and the owner banned him from buying Food, so Jerry had to buy his food for him. Right, and then he stayed in the apartment that had pesticides, and he couldn't taste anything. And the Mackinac peaches are only in season for like three weeks or something ridiculous Two weeks. like that. Okay. Two weeks, yeah. So, but Ellen is there. So Barkin's mm-hmm. character is there. 
Yes. And she knows that he didn't write the poem. Right. All of the sound in this scene is off. The the dialogue, it doesn't sound right. And it's obvious that they had to ADR this. They had to loop it in post. And it's just, it's done very, very poorly. Okay. But now she is willing to have a drink with him. And <laughs> there is a series of payphones. And I think there's three payphones total. He's on one. There's a blank one or an empty one. And these aren't phone booths. These are just like little, small little dividers. And then she's on the third one. And she's calling somebody. And he's actually calling Sherman about this. Jesus, you're with that bitch wouldn't even drink with you? Yeah, well, it's good in a way. Maybe uh, I get a prince now. Yeah, bullshit. What are you going to do? Send your dick to the lab? That'll be some great testimony. She's the one. You see, Your Honor. First I whipped it out, then she whipped it out. You catch my drift? And how do you know it's this Quawi kid? It's probably a broad, Frank. You know that. She's a friggin' suspect, Frank. Just walk away. Frankie, just walk away. And then Stallone comes in and says this. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. And then Elsa comes in and says this. <laughs> yeah, why didn't he just lift the prince off the phone? Ah, uh, that that's a, a, a this, there's a bunch of things that just don't make sense from they make sense because of plot, because the plot necessitates them to take certain actions, mm-hmm. but logic logic dictates. My god, the man's talking about logic. No, logic dictates that he would do things a certain way and he doesn't. But right. he, Frank actually does try to walk. He does try to walk away. But she's too beguiling, so he can't. And they're in a bar, and they are comparing divorce stories. Mm-hmm. And she, she's flirting with him. It's it's pretty obvious that she's flirting with him. And then they are back at his apartment, and they're making out. And she walks away from him, and she takes off her jacket. And it's something that became readily apparent, because I know there's a lot of problems with New York apartments, but apparently the heat did not work in his apartment because no. it was very cold in there. <laughs> Her headlights were, were high beams. Right. And right. she wants to know where the bathroom is. Do you think she wants to know where the bathroom is because she needs to go put her diaphragm in? Uh, maybe that. Maybe she wants to freshen up a bit. I, I don't know. It, it's probably, given circumstance, it probably is a, a diaphragm. Thing. That That's a pretty good guess. Okay. Yeah, for late 80s. Sure. Right. Yeah, but she drops her purse, and he sees, like, the the the, the handle of a gun, of right. a pistol. Yeah. And this looks very similar to the type of pistol that we saw in the beginning of the movie that shot the first victim. Right, and, and he, she, he's not having the great, greatest reaction to this. No. Get in bed. I was cracking up during this. 
Because it was like Ed Grimley. <laughs> oh my, I can't even do it. <laughs> Just gonna try oh it. Oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna be Pat Sajak. Yeah, actually, I probably have an Ed Grimley clip in here, but I'm not gonna search for it no. from, uh, Inner Space. But yes. she comes out of the bathroom, and what does he do to her? He, he throws her up against the wall and starts to frisk her. No, he, he throws her in the closet. Oh yeah, that's right. First he throws her in the closet. That's right. And then he's going through her purse, and he finds yeah. out that it's a starter's pistol. Right. And then she comes out, and he throws her on the bed, and they talk it out. But first, hold, no, they, they he frisks her. He like throws her up against the wall, and he's frisking her. But does he? Do, he might do that before he throws her in the closet. Maybe, but it's so. In this scene, he he as he's frisking her, he he turns into Carlito from Carlito's way. What are you hiding? Nothing. I cannot let you go in. If you don't tell me what are you hiding there. I'm not hiding anything. Prove it. See? You mean that all this is you? 100%. And now it's time to play the game that's sweeping the nation. And now it's time for Name That Porn Star. Any clue, Matt? Not a clue. Okay. <laughs> Every week it's going to be, I don't know. I don't know. Allura Jensen from some brazers or browsers. Browsers, yeah. Browsers. 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 Yeah, browsers. Yeah. I'm familiar okay. with the brand. Okay. I've never heard of her before, but. No, either have I. And, and she's in that clip, she says, it's 100% me. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> that was not you at all, sister. <laughs> But eventually he throws her on the bed and they're, 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 they're talking it out. And now she's moving into him. And in my notes, it says, yeah, they're about to have really, really good sex. Yeah. Now she frisks him. Yeah. She turns him around in his frisk game and she starts giving him a handy. Mm-hmm. And then we get some. Yeah. She has she's... a great body. Yes, she does. That's in my notes. She has a great body. And. You know, this is a thing where this is, this is a hot sex scene and it, it's not long and it's, it's not detailed, but what is there is very, and you can tell this is a moment of just passion. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, she's making a phone call and then they go for round two. Yeah, but she's walking around the next morning in just like an Oxford shirt and nothing else. Yeah, I I, I love great that look. look. Yeah, great look. It's a great look. Yeah, but her hair is a little bit fucked at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, it's that's realism, you know. It's sex, sleeping in some strange dude's bed. Yeah, you're not going to have glorious hair the next morning. Do you remember those um, morning after next day conversations? The first time or the only time you hook up with somebody? Yeah, I do. But she has to get home to her daughter. And but hold on, hold on a second. We got a Chekhov's gun here. Okay. Because he's got. Tell his, me where the nuclear vessels are. He's got his marksman's trophy that is sitting on his nightside stand. And okay. He's awfully proud of this marksman's trophy because it's sitting on his nightside stand. <laughs> well, it'll it'll come in handy later. Yeah, and he hides it. He hides it underneath the bed because obviously he doesn't not want to know that he's a cop because. He lies to her several times. And why does he lie to her? Lie to her. It's okay to lie to women. They're not people like us. 
over and over and over again. But yeah. they, they have a little small talk about their jobs. And for some reason in my notes, it says, I really did not like her earrings. <laughs> I don't remember what her earrings are, but she talks about how she's got to get home because her mother is watching her daughter. Right. And yeah. what, did, what does she ask him for? I don't know. She asked him for a heater. Okay. And what is his response to that? I don't know. What brand? Like, like he's a bodega and he's got just like, like a, a, you know, backlog of, I think I might have some merits in the back. And then yeah. as it turns out, he doesn't even have any. Oh, he doesn't? No. Okay. But he, he doesn't even wait for her to be, you know, completely out and he's calling Sherman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he has this glass and this is the last part of this movie I actually remember seeing. Okay. Is he pulls the cup out of the evidence bag and he wipes the glass. Right. And, well, no, he doesn't wipe the glass. He just he's just not going to turn it in. No, but he does this thing with his hands where he okay. he, he basically makes it so there would be no usable p- prints on it. All right, but Sherman asks. He said, "Should we dust your dick?" <laughs> but Frank is in the shower, and and somebody tries his door. Mm-hmm. So this is the first indication that you know Frank is now somewhat in danger based on what has happened. Right. And right. There's no one there, and and we see the elevator door is closing. And he he goes, and he actually shows up at her work, which I think is a little bit kind of creepy, just for him to show up. Yeah, because I've done that, and um, it did not garner me a second date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, you you vacillate between being the nice guy and being gay, or being the stalker. <laughs> Right. It, well, it, I mean, it was like a, like three days later, and she worked at a, at a shop at the mall, and I, I went to the mall, and um, she wa- worked at a store. I can't remember what the name of the store was, but I remember buying a t-shirt there, and it had a chicken, and it had a cat, and the captions out of their mouth was, the chicken was saying pussy, and the cat was saying chicken. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. You still have that shirt, Doug? I do not. I wish I did. But she's, uh, in my notes it says she fists him for shoes, but it's actually she's fitting him for shoes, <laughs> not fisting him for shoes, while they're chatting. And right. and she says that she doesn't sleep around because he's asking about just other guys that she's been with. Well, first she says, she's like, it's none of your business. I don't sleep around. Right. But she right. invites him over for dinner. No, 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 no. Wait. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. And then two young guys come in and... And one of them in particular is just being a dick. Yeah, they're tough guys. They're they're like mob kids or something. Oh, see, I figured they were like stockbrokers. No, no. They're mob kids because one of them is like, hey, he's a cop. This guy's a cop. Yeah, and one of them spits on the floor. <laughs> right. It's a good move. And, yeah, they have him pegged as a cop. And he admits to her that he's a cop. And even before the excuse thing, he has this to say. Hold on, hold on a second. Let me tell you something. Yeah. He he pulls he pulls the ultimate guy move where you get called out and you turn the tables on the person who is calling you out and make them the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is awesome at that. I always tell her, I'm like, you would have made a great lawyer because every time that I have an issue, and she recognizes this that she does this, but I'm like, every time that I have a problem. Somehow you manage to turn it around and make you the bad guy. Oh, it's a, it's a skill. It is like, like juggling. 
Yeah. And I tell him, like, you, you would have made a great trial lawyer because you use these dirty lawyer tricks on me all the time. It always gets me in trouble. So, right. but that's what, that's what Frank does. Yeah, but he, he does, he starts defending, even before the excuse thing, when he first starts talking about him being a cop, he has this to say. Let me tell you something about this. All these people in here with their rocks and their furs, they get robbed, they get raped. I'm all of a sudden their daddy. See, come the wet ass hour, I'm everybody's daddy. That was the first. <laughs> that was the first indication of what will become this guy as an actor. Yeah. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste. Don't swallow. <laughs> and while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that never. This is about the point where he changes from Al Pacino, the actor, to Al Pacino, the overactor. Okay, so the clip that you just played, that is a great fucking movie. Yeah. What, and what's that movie? What's D- the name Devil's of Advocate. Movie? Yes. So prior to this movie, he, he hadn't made a movie in four years prior to this film. And he had done he all his movies in the 80s. I think he did four prior to this that were just panned. This was the only movie that Al Pacino made in the 80s that was not nominated for a, a Razzie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I i mean, what did he do? He did Cruisers and... I'm trying Revolution. To um, he did some bad movies in the 80s. But he, this is where he started. He, you know, he did the Godfather movies. Um, he did Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico. Um, and then he had a bad stretch in the 80s. And then he took four years off, made this film. And that's when he started hitting his stride as Al Pacino, the actor. But she she's pissed that he lied to her. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of the way he talks himself out of it? It's a great excuse. It's he thought he was thinking on the fly. You lied to me. What did you lie to me? You look like you had a friggin' plague. Really? What did you tell me you were a printer for? You're a cop. I always wanted to be a printer. Oh come on, talk to me. For twenty years, I go out with people. Right? I tell them I'm a cop. You know what happens? I'm a non-person. What do you think I put the ad in the paper? Look, you ever keep something inside yourself, but but you know you're gonna let it out. You just want I just want to get on solid ground with you. Yeah, it 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 actually. I said he kind of he talks himself out of it, and that's partially because he's sober. Mm-hmm. When he's drunk and he tries to do the same thing, oh, it does not idiot. work out as well. Yeah, he's an idiot when he's drinking. But um, Sherman is not happy, and why is Sherman not happy with Frank? I don't know. Because he did not get her prints. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're doing a round two of the the blind dates, and this time Goodman is the the date, and Frank, Frank. is the, the waiter. The waiter, yes. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it turns out that one of the dates that Sherman is on is the same gal that was, she came with the balloons. Yeah. Okay. 
I, 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 I'm trying to process this. So I understand people do personal ads. Hey, no farm, harm, no foul. Do whatever fucking makes you happy. That's fine. You put in, you respond to a personal ad and you find out the guy that you responded to gets murdered. I think maybe you take a month off. Uh, yes. Yeah. You take a little time off. Exactly. But other cops, as they're done for the night, uh, Sherman is too drunk. So Frank gives him his keys so he can just go crash at his place so he doesn't mm-hmm. have to drive back out to where he lives. Queens. Queens. And the other cops are kind of rolling out and they're going out for drinks and Frank declines. And f- the reason Frank declines is he has other plans. Right. He calls Helen. Right. And, and she's watching her daughter and he, he's like, you need to get somebody to watch her. And what are you wearing? Well, take them off. And she shows up at a grocery store and what is she wearing? Basically just an overcoat. Yeah, trench coat and nothing else. Yes. yes. See, Doug, this is what people call role play. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've been a UPS guy. I, I've been a cop. I've been a pizza delivery guy. I've been a serial killer. <laughs> I've been a home invader. Yeah, those were weird. When you told me about that, that was weird, man. Because I've been the office manager. Oh, you've actually done some role play? Yeah, once. One time. One time I was the office manager. And it was very spontaneous. Um, And I don't know why we didn't do it again. Because it was a a blast. I'm I'm impressed, Doug. You know, that's that's good for you. So there's a show. Have you ever heard of the show called Nip Tuck? Yes. One of the seasons of Nip Tuck had a serial killer. Okay. And they basically, they would inject their victim with, um, I think it was called the Carver, if I remember correctly. They didn't inject their victim with something that would paralyze them, and then they would carve up their face. Mm. So around the time that that was airing, yeah, I, I was the Carver. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I got problems. Um, yeah, okay, let's move on. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. But um, they're yeah. they're they're screwing around. Well, and but she's but at the grocery store. She's grabbing some peppers. That's she's bad. Very, she's very interested in these peppers. Yeah, do you know he, that there. Do you know that there's a difference in in types of peppers. Like, uh, I, this is spontaneous. But there's you know how you like green peppers, yellow peppers, red peppers, orange peppers. Sure. Some of them have three bumps, and some of them have four bumps on oh, the bottom. Okay, that I did not know. But okay. Okay, one. And now I'm going to have to do this for housekeeping. Um, one of them is good for eating, and one of them is good for cooking. And I can't remember if it's the three bump or the four bump pepper. See, I'm thinking of what? What's the scale? The Scoville? Is that what it is? Well, that's the hot pepper, right? Because you don't want to be touching hot peppers, and then you know, be touching genitals. No. So or eyes, yeah, or scratching your eyes, yeah. So kind of related to that is I'm old. I'm I'm 48, almost 49. And when I play hockey, one of the things that I have to do is I got to put icy hot. And the the area that I put icy hot on is my inner thigh because okay. that's a muscle that I pull all the time. You don't want to get any of that on your dick. But it does get on your sack when you okay. sweat and it okay. burns like a motherfucker. Uh-huh. But you know, you put it on and you wipe it on and then I usually like wipe it on my chest and my arms to get like the excess off. Okay. Last Sunday, without thinking, I rubbed my eyes. Ooh. Ooh that was fucking terrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that happens to me when I, when I put sunblock on my, on my face and it I sweat and then it gets in my eyes. It's horrible. Yeah. So I try not to, you know, I bald, so I have to wear a hat pretty much everywhere I go. So I try not to do, you know, above the eyes. I stay below the eyes as much as possible. But they're at her place and they get done. And my thought was, she's she has a bunch of rings on. Don't people usually take their rings off during sex? Do you take your ring off when you're having sex? I don't have her. I don't wear her. Okay. Does your missus take her ring off during sex? Yeah. She, well, yeah. Okay. I don't. Okay. Nor does my missus. And in mine, you kind of have to because it's got like beveled ridges and that would fuck up a vagina pretty bad. <laughs> okay. So, but hold on. He's walking around in his tidy whiteies. Oh God, here comes Doug. He just got a race car bed. And now I'm going to have to hear about it. Knew this was coming. <laughs> I'm like, Matt needs to take this guy underwear shopping. Cause he just, he looked Al Pacino in this movie, his whole body, his whole persona, his face, hair, everything is mournful. Okay, but the other thing from Rocky Four was it was the underwear shopping story. Okay, <laughs> this is the first time it got brought up, and I knew that you were going to bring this up as soon as I saw him in tight ways. And my notes like, "Fuck, Doug's going to bring that up right here." Matt should take him underwear shopping. Ha ha right. ha. Ha 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 ha. And you know what Jen had to say to that? What? <laughs> but. She has a record player, and she has yeah. these boxes of records. Of 45s. Right. And he's looking through them, and she sneaks up on him, and she does have Sea of Love. Right. But my first thought was, he acts surprised. I'm like, did, he, did she just stick a finger up his ass? <laughs> but he mentions the fact that she has Sea of Love. Mm-hmm. If there's anything in his head that thinks that she is a potential suspect, he should not say that. Right. And then he he goes in. What does he steal out of her purse? Her social security card. Who carries their social security card around? With and why wouldn't he just write down the fucking number? Right, right. But she she wants to show him something, and she wants to show him her daughter. Mm-hmm. And she asks, "What kind of a father would you make?" What is it with the movies that we watch where these relationships are like immediately the end all be all of these people's lives? Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is he looks in there and she's like, you didn't even look at her. You know, like, yeah, I did. You know, I, I never, well, I shouldn't say that I did. But I, well, hold on a second. It's still dark out. Right. He's got to get to work. She makes him a screwdriver at like 4 a.m. <laughs> Oh, he's he's an alcoholic, you know. Right, it's not a big deal. But if if something happened, and it, God, a lot of this podcast is talking about, well, when our spouses die, this is what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> but you know, at at our age, more likely than not, you're going to end up being with somebody that has kids, mm-hmm. um, and then you obviously have kids of your own. And my kids are getting close to the age of, you know, adulthood. So it's not as big of a deal, but they're still going to be there. I I think that would be the hardest thing to kind of come around on or or come to grips with is because you are 
if, if if you're just fucking someone, that's one thing. But if you're actually dating them and it's serious, you potentially are becoming part of this person's life. And then you're not just dating them, you're dating them and you have an impact on this kid, which I always thought was like a really kind of a heavy thing. Yeah, I, I mean, that was that was a big thing with me as a kid because, you know, my parents got divorced when I was seven and a half and my dad had full custody and I would go see my mom every other weekend. So my dad would date these other women and the first two women that he dated had kids. And he was like, you know, those were the first two women that he dated after he divorced my mom. And they dated for a while. And I got to have relationships with these other kids. Um, You know, one I'm, you know, pretty good friends with on Facebook and we'll see each other out. But after that, it was the women that he dated did not have kids and they were much younger than he was. And they tried to swoop in and be money bags. Yeah. (laughs) And the coolest ones were the ones that were like, I'm not going to try and be your mom. I just want to be your buddy. And they were cool. But the problem was my dad would date these women. You know, like he was in his early forties and these women would be in their mid twenties. And I would have, I would build these relationships with these women and then you'd break up with them and poof, they were gone. Never see them again. There was no closure. And then the woman that he had eventually married, he started dating her when I was a junior in high school. And I had gone through this process several times. So when it came time where he was like, oh, you need to have a relationship with her. Well, first of all, I'm, a, I'm 16, 17 years old. You know, I'm an asshole. Because <laughs> I'm a 16 or 17 year old kid. Right. But I've also been wounded several times that... I've kind of built up this shell, this shield that is that I'm trying to protect myself. So I love my step. You know, he ended up eventually marrying her, and I love her, but I don't have the same type of relationship that I would have had he married a woman when I was 13 or 14. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You you want to hear my uh, my my first story of my first memory of your dad? Okay. So he, he was dating his now wife at the okay. time. And please correct me when I get details of this story wrong. She drove a Beretta. Uh, yes, a red Beretta. And she drove it into the garage, like the yes. side of the garage, and like <laughs> broke the mirror, I think, on her car. Yeah, oh my God, I can't believe you remember that. That's awesome. And he made her pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I know he did. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I remember of meeting your dad. And the first time I actually met him in person, it was it was so weird meeting him because I had been at his house easily hundreds of times by that point. Do you remember what we were eating? Uh, we were having soup. Chili. Was it chili? It was chili. And it was the it was before prom or homecoming, one of those two. It was the several days before homecoming, and he asked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've your, we've your, we've talked about this before. Yeah. So, but but somebody who's just coming into the podcast now. Okay. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about your girlfriend, and he he asked, "What was the question that he asked you?" You banging her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you remember what my response was? I don't. I said, "I've been dating her for eighteen months. You do the math." <laughs> 
because I just tried to blow past it. I didn't want to answer the question. She's like, right. I asked you a question. This is the same guy who asked if you got your ashes hauled when you were in Europe. Right. So the last part of this conversation before they move on is he asks if the father is dead. Mm-hmm. And this is, once again, kind of... Could you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? And he goes to a bar, and then he goes home. Right. And when he's at, at home, he hears a noise in the hallway, and he pulls his gun. Right. And the lights are out in the hallway. It's right. awfully dark. And but he, what is he, he startled by? Pigeons. Pigeons. Who Sorry, loves we pigeons? just some uh, pigeon jokes? Uh, no, thank you, Bert. Perfect. Great. Okay, you're going to love them. <clears throat> now, listen, listen to this. When is a pigeon all washed up? Uh, I don't care, Bert. <laughs> After he takes his bath. <laughs> That's a really old Sesame Street clip. And then Ernie goes back and sodomizes Bert <laughs> for making him listen to that shitty joke. Right. Yeah, Jen actually jumped at the point where the, the pigeons kind of go... Okay. And he's waving a gun around, and you're the gun guy. What kind of gun is that, Doug? Uh, I think it's a .38. I'm not sure. It didn't really seem like what I would I would consider to be a common cop gun. Yeah, but most detectives back then, you know, it's, you know... Do whatever they, they want. Yeah, well, they carried a, a smaller caliber. But he screws the light bulbs back in, mm-hmm. which... He's a detective. He should know. If he's screwing the light bulbs back in, that has to mean somebody unscrewed them. Right. So something's not right here. And why? And he could have taken that light bulb and gotten prints off of it. Yeah, that probably would have been good. Well, that's, that's a cop mistake he makes. And he mm. makes another cop mistake in the next scene. Because he's at, at work and he does what probably most cops do, is he runs his girlfriend's social security number. Right. And she has no criminal record. Wouldn't there be probably other things that kind of came back in her record? Like her spouse, her, sure. her address, right. all, all those things. And the, the reason it didn't is because of plot. Because if, if it did come back with the fact that her ex-husband is so-and-so, he'd be like, hey, I know this fucking guy. Right, right. And he wants her to come to his place tonight because he has something special planned. Right. He wants to ask her to move in. Right. And you actually got this wrong, I think, because this is the scene with the woman with the balloons is in. Oh, yes. Yeah. And and this is where Goodman is too drunk to drive home, and he gives him the keys because he has a hotel for Helen and himself, because what is he going to do? Uh, remind me. He's going to ask Helen to move in with him. Yeah, okay, yeah, I just said, yes, I just said that. Yeah. And, you know, Frank is getting a little tipsy at dinner, not mm-hmm. happy waiting for the service. Right. And she almost walks into traffic because they just, they just bail. He just throws some money down. They don't even wait for dinner. And Frank is drunk and he is running his mouth and he says something really, really dumb. What does he right. tell her? He tells her that on their first date that he was wearing a wire. That he has the propensity for putting his foot in his mouth quite a bit in this movie. Right. And 
he he tries to explain it away and it just doesn't work. And then he goes to a bar and he orders a double. Mm-hmm. And he downs it. Right. Again. And he, <laughs> I mean, this is going to put most people on their ass. Right. But then he goes to her place at 1 a.m. And who answers the door? Her mom. Right. And honestly, her mom is pretty much a dead ringer for my high school girlfriend's mom. (laughs) Okay. Which was a little freaky for me. But he's trying to defend himself. And as I said before, he's great at talking himself out of things when he's sober. But when he's drunk, it is just not working. And he's Mm -hmm. basically trying to lie his way out of it. But, you know, that's okay because... Lie to her. It's okay to lie to women. They're not people like us. But it's it's just uncomfortable. This whole scene is uncomfortable in his lies. Right. Well, it's you know he's the one that's kind of going psycho. He's he's the crazy one in this relationship, and that's interesting because usually it's in these types of movies, it's the other way around where it's the woman that is a little bit nutty. But they're talking, and he is so desperate to be loved. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's sad. and I, Actually, I felt bad for the character, but he wants her to come home with him, and she's going to go tell her mother that she's going to leave with him. <laughs> and then things get interesting. Right. He finds the personal ads on the refrigerator. Not the refrigerator, the refrigerator. And what are circled in those classified ads? The dudes who got popped. <laughs> yeah, the names of the three guys that got killed. Yes. And in my notes, and I did not go back and correct this, I said, I figured out who the killer is about five minutes before this point. Okay. So at this point, I have the killer pegged. Yay, okay. Matt. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. So he goes home. <laughs> This was funny to me. Uh, Sherman banged the balloon lady. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's there with the gal that was he was on the date with. And, and Sherman blames Frank for this. Right. And uh, Sherman leaves, and then Helen comes walking out of the dark, kind of out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing the same red leather jacket yes. from the first time they met. Yes. And in his apartment... They start making out. And I, I told you, I, I pulled an old clip to reuse, and I'm going to okay. use it here. Do you have any idea what it is? I do not. Fear boner. A fear boner. Fear boner. It's not a fear you boner. You got a fear boner. Fear boner. It's just a correction. No, fear boner. Here, go walk it off, oh, buddy. You'll be fine. Walk it off. Fear boner. <laughs> she brought Sea of Love with her, the 45, and, mm-hmm. and he's going through her purse, basically looking for a gun. And she doesn't know what he's talking about. And Frank is going through the list of the dead guys. And she's like, I didn't have sex with any of them. And then, oh, ex- except uh, for Mackie. Except for one. Yeah. <laughs> he wants her to confess. And she she's leaving because she's pissed. And he puts the gun down on the table, which, <laughs> plot point, plot point. Right. And then right, as soon as she's gone, who comes in? The cable guy. Cable guy. Yes. And they fight. <laughs> And as they're fighting, uh, just like last week, apparently genital harm is a you know a good way to fight because mm-hmm. Frank punches the cable guy in the dick. Right. And then after the cable guy gets the better of Frank, 
he is on top of Frank on the bed, and he is dry humping Frank. <laughs> ah, help! He's got a boner! <laughs> but they fight, and then Frank has him. The cable guy rushes him, and Frank shoots him. Well, first of all, he hits him with the marksman trophy. Yeah, that's when he's on the bed. He reaches underneath okay, the bed, yes. and then he hits him. And then he shoots him, and they fight some more, and it ends up with what happening? Frank shoots him, he flies out the window, and falls, what, eight, nine stories to his death? Through the awning. Yes. I was positive that it was the mom. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So, man, fucked up. See, I knew when I saw that it was Michael Rooker as the cable guy, I'm like, okay, he's... He would not have just this small little part. He's got to be a bigger part of this movie. Uh, you know, there. Yeah. I knew he had something to do with it. In retrospect, it was stupid of me not to realize it because the fact that he came back. Yeah. You know, okay, they have the initial thing where he's talking to the cable guy. They have the funny thing about, you know, the, in the ass, Bob. That's great. But the fact that he came back to the station, that he was reintroduced as a character, should have told me that. There's more to it than this. Mm -hmm. Right. And Helen is at the station and she walks out. And then we we don't, we're, we're not told how long it is, but there is a passage of time that happens here. Well, he tells her how long he's been sober. And I want to say it's three or four months. Yeah, it, it's it's been a bit. But mm -hmm. Frank walks into a bar and Sherman is there. And Frank is dry. We find out that he's dry. And Goodman is doing a shot in a beer. Sorry, Sherman is he, doing a shot in a beer. And he's, and he's like, mmm, this is so good. <laughs> That's really what you want to do to a recovering alcoholic. Right, exactly. But he, he lights a heater. And then we find out the husband was following her for eight months. Yes. And Frank had tried to see Helen again, but she wanted no part of it. And then we cut to the next and final scene. And Helen is closing up the shoe store. And Frank is just waiting for her. Mm -hmm. And she walks away, and he's trying to start fresh with her. He's been sober for seven weeks. That's Okay. And she gives in, and they walk away to get coffee. And the thing that impressed me is they did not end on a still frame. Right. So right. the movie's over. Right. Um, I, I can't ask you if it, if it held up because you've never seen it before. What did you think? It was okay. I liked it. I did. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was. It We've was, had some shit know. burgers on this podcast, so yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It was good, you, you know. And, and if somebody said, "Hey, I, I want to watch Sea of Love," yeah, why not? Go ahead. So you would recommend it? Sure. Yeah, I I, I think this is kind of like the progenitor to Basic Instinct because mm -hmm. it has a little bit of that, not nearly to the extent that Basic Instinct does, but it has a little bit of that psychosexual tension to it. Sure. And goddamn, is she hot? Yeah, yeah, she's a good-looking gal. Now you see her; she's um, like the the main bad guy on this TV show, Animal Kingdom. Yes, never seen it, but yeah. I've watched a couple of episodes of it. It's you know, I think we've talked about it on this podcast. It's it, it, what hurts it is is that it's you know a cable show, so you can't swear and you can't see nudity. Yeah, we probably talked about it in Eddie and the Cruisers, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. So, it's okay, but yeah, she looks old. Yeah. Any last thoughts on the movie? No, it was, you know, good good flick. I was I was surprised 
there wasn't more sex scenes than there were. And, yeah. And frankly, a little disappointed because I, I really wanted... We've got Bush. Oh, how well, When they show her naked, it's from a very awkward angle, which means, are they hiding something? Is her body kind of... You know, every woman is different. You're not going to have Playboy models in, as actresses in every single movie. Right. You know? but were, they, were they trying to, you know, I don't know, maneuver her so her so her mournful or awkward or stretch marks didn't show up? Because she's 35 when this movie was made. You know, she's not a young chick. There is nothing in her body that I found the least bit objectionable at all. Okay. All right. All right. So no last thoughts. So then it's... Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. I will never change that theme song. I will change any other theme song except for that one. Okay. Uh, I have continued to try to finish watching V the Final Battle. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, I have 45 minutes left. It's just finding that pocket of time. Sure. We did finish, um, the second season and final season of The Punisher. Okay. Uh, which I liked. I, I did enjoy it a lot. And we mm-hmm. started watching Daredevil with okay. season one. It is a different show. Sure. Um, the fight, the fight scenes in Daredevil, it's, they really focus on the martial arts. And sometimes I remember watching Daredevil and going, God, these fight scenes just go on and on and on. And a lot of them are single shot. Okay. And I was talking to Jen about it. It's like the just the choreography to get this three minute long fight scene with ten people to get it correct has mm-hmm. to take forever. Yeah. But Daredevil is, and I don't know if this is the right word, but it's a little bit more of a cerebral show than Punisher. Yeah. Because you're trying to figure out all of the things that are kind of going on behind the scenes. And we're mm-hmm. only a couple episodes in. So okay. we're, we're still to the point where we just found out that, you know, his dad was supposed to throw a fight and he didn't. He got killed. And mm-hmm. so I'm assuming at some point the flashbacks to him as a child end. Yes. And, and have, they, have they brought in the kingpin yet? No. Okay. They That's... haven't mentioned him. They have um, the, the guy and they say they won't mention him. Which is, I'm assuming that's the kingpin. But the guy who's like the lawyer or the, the mouthpiece for the kingpin, he was in, um, oh God, that show on Showtime with the guy from the movie about wine. <laughs> he plays a district attorney. Um, it's on Showtime. Uh, I can't I remember know. the name of it, but he, he wears glasses and he's got kind of like a smug prick attitude. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's not as, you know, at the end of the first episode of The Punisher, it's so fucking brutal that it kind of grabs you or turns mm-hmm. you off. And we're a couple episodes in. We just got introduced to a, a second character, which I'm guessing she probably becomes a repeating character. She's the nurse. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? It's been a long time since I've seen the Dare since I've seen Daredevil. I, it's it's one of those shows where I might like revisit it and start watching it from the beginning because I liked it so much. Okay, but that that's basically it for me. Okay. Um, I, I started watching and I'm almost done with, uh, True Detective season one on HBO. Great. Oh, fucking A, is it great. Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. You know, I, if you get the chance, you should probably just kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was so shocked by that. 
and Alexandria Desario. <sighs> She's so good. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. She plays the the girlfriend in Gone Girl. Okay, yeah. The one that Ben Affleck is fucking on the side. Okay. Is that really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's it's such a slow burn, but the acting and the characters are just, they grab you. So good. The, the and, payoff is a little weak. Okay. Uh, but it, it's it's much better than, how many, have they done two or three seasons of True Detective? Three, three seasons. The second season is Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. Okay. And then this third season is um, the black guy that you've seen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I've seen all and of then, them. It, the it goes guy, one, three, two, as far as order of how good okay. they are. Second season okay. is a huge letdown after the first one. Okay. Hey, have you ever seen The Wire? I, I finished the first season of The Wire, and it everybody's like, "Oh, it's so good," and it it just didn't grab me the way that I thought it would. The, the Wire is interesting because you watch the first season of The Wire and then you go into the second season and it's such a dramatic change that it takes like three episodes to get it. Okay. And I think I think The Wire is five seasons, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The first four are good. The, the fifth one is garbage. Okay. But it wraps it. It wraps everything up. And the guy in there, the main guy, who's actually British, mm-hmm. and it's weird to hear him talk in his regular voice. I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who plays like the alcoholic cop. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually was in the Phantom Menace. He played a guard in the Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. It's not Dominic Cooper. Yeah, Dominic. It's not Cooper. It's Dominic. Um, uh, just keep going with okay. what you're watching. Uh, I watched Idiocracy, which I'd never seen before. Okay. And everybody had said, "Oh, you've got to watch Idiocracy. It's great. It's a Mike Judge film. It's uh, same dude that did uh, Office Space and." Beavis and Butthead. Um, an extract. Dominic it's West, a, by the way. Okay, there you go. I could hear you clacking away on, yeah. your, on your keyboard. Which is the most. Clackety clack. Um, it's okay. It was okay. It wasn't great. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. It's all right. Um, and then last night, I asked the boys, it was movie night, and I'm like, what do you want to watch? I don't know, Dad. What, what do you think would be good? Well, would you like to watch a Star Trek movie? I don't know. Tell me about Star Trek, Dad. And we watched Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. And the youngest was, oh, this is so boring. And the oldest was like, I'm like, hey, is this boring? We can watch something else. No, Dad, I want to keep watching this. He was intrigued. And as I'm watching Star Trek II, great fucking movie, but low budget as hell. And well, that was after the motion picture, and the motion picture cost a fortune and did not nearly have the ROI that they expected it to. Yeah, but it's it, you realize that the original series is so dialogue-driven, and there were so many questions going around in our living room of, why is this happening? What's this? What's this? My youngest was like, what's that? That's the Genesis. Well, what is it? If you just fucking listened 20 minutes ago, they explained everything, man. Yeah, the first ever, like, CGI scene in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, he, my oldest wants to watch three, because he was like, is Spock really dead, Dad? I'm like, well, the next movie is called The Search for Spock. So does that mean he's alive? Well, we're going to have to watch it. 
So I just may have, you know, turned my kid into a Trekkie. Yeah, you know, most people say two is is the, the better of the th- of all of them, but you know, three is the best one because that's where Spock retrieves his Katra. Four is great, and I told my oldest, I said four is really funny, and I told him, you know, I <coughs> pardon me, um, about the you know, hey, you dumbass, well, double, double dumbass, dumbass to you, yeah. and I told him that, and he's just like, oh, that sounds so funny, you know, because swearing to kids. Yes, yeah, he did too do much you, LDS. Do you swear in front of your kids? Uh, yeah. Okay. So at this point, yeah. Yeah, I swear for mostly comedic effect. I don't drop f bombs, um, but I will say shit and ass and dick and cock occasionally. But yeah, it, it's mostly for comedic effect and to say and to kind of teach them, hey. The English language is always evolving. It's not that bad. It's it's a word. You can't say it in front of a teacher. You can't say it at church, but yeah, it's well, not that bad. This is how real people talk. Well, my, my oldest is is British, so I call yes. him a cunt all the time. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Oh. <laughs> Fucking cunt. Oh, by the way, um, yeah, the the Star Trek three is better than Star Trek two. That was a uh, Kramer thing. That's the why I said, thing. yeah, yes, okay. yeah. We get a lot for housekeeping next week. So, right. anything else? No, that's it. That's all I've been watching. Okay, so this is going to be a short segment. Howdy, potters! Now it's time for listener reaction roundup. Yeehaw! Uh, you jump the gun. We always do question before listener. Oh yeah, I am sorry. So it's a question, right? Yes. Oh God. Doug's got a question for man. How's he gonna answer it? I don't know. Let's find out. Alright. So, have you ever cheated on somebody? No, next question. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, come on. I mean, obviously, you're, you've never cheated on your missus. No, I've never cheated on my missus. No, I've never cheated on my wife. Um, well, I, you you have to. I mean, I really only had people that I dated for uh, uh, that was exclusive with for extended periods of time. It is really only like one person, mm-hmm. and there were times that you know I accidentally might have. Stuck my dick into somebody else, but <laughs> your penis fell in there by accident. Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, and actually, I've, I've had this conversation with with somebody else that you know the you are in your romantic relationships. You are a product of the things that happened before, and you know I had a relationship that was very long and very fucking toxic, and it was that way on on both sides, and. She cheated on me. I cheated on her. And, you know, we break up, get back together. And it was just a constant thing. And honestly, I remember one instance. I actually broke up with her because I was going to a party. And I knew I was going to hook up with this chick at this party. And I did not want to cheat on her. So I broke up with her, went to this party, hooked up with this chick, got home, got back together with her. (laughs) We were on a break. (laughs) Yeah. No. So, yeah. I And it is a thing where... Having been on the other side of it, having been the person that was cheated on, you know, it it makes you understand things. And 
it is there's I can't remember which and this is probably a housekeeping thing there's it's a that 70s show thing where Kelso is explaining to Jackie the difference between him cheating on her with all these girls and her cheating on him with the cheese guy from the mall mm-hmm. and he said you I cheated out of love you cheated out of something else and the way he explains it actually makes sense because it was never there's a separation between the physical and the emotional part of it and that's why i i can have a hate fuck with somebody and have it be incredible because the emotion is not always there i can detach those things i can compartmentalize i can separate them okay and you know i it was never this this huge thought that I went through where I, I thought about what I was doing and what I was doing to that person at that time. Whereas for her, she totally did, which made it much worse. And the only reason I know this is because I read her diary. But Okay, yes, which you mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been cheated on. I'm like 99.999% sure that I haven't been cheated on. Um, but I've cheated once for sure, and then was sort of quasi, like, so I was in DECA, and we went to this conference in Madison and had hotel rooms, and I was dating this girl, she was like the first love of my life, but it wasn't really love, it was more lust. She have Shelties? Yes. Yeah, okay. And I was at, we were at this hotel room, and this girl and I were in my hotel room, and we were giving each other back rubs and I, I i thought it was completely harmless but now like if i found out that my missus was at like a, a work conference and she was in the room with some dude and they just gave each other back rubs i would be like what the fuck that's what the fuck are you doing that's not right but yeah we were giving each other back rubs and then another time i was dating the gal that uh, I met on Yahoo Personals that I broke up with on the street because, and then I had to chase after her because her phone was in my car. We were at the Shangri-La. Your phone was in her car, but yeah. Okay. My phone was in her car. I was at the Shangri-La with my dad and my uncles, a couple of cousins and friend of show Chris and this other guy, Matt, and this other guy, Mark, and we were adding, putting an addition on the Shangri-La. And so we were there for like three or four nights and there was these horsey girls down at the bar and we hung out with them every night that we were there and we're like doing shots off their bellies and really having a good time. And then, you know, I got a beach from this one chick, the horsey chick, while I was dating this other girl, went home, you know, banged her a bunch of times and then went back to the Shangri-La to build some bunk beds. And this horsey girl met me there. And had sex with her a couple of times over the course of 18 hours. <laughs> and then went back and, and still dated this other girl. But I knew it was never going to work with this other other girl. Um, and so, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I never really felt guilt about it. Because I knew that the girl I was dating, it was not going anywhere. Even though, at one point, she had said, I love you. And I said, thank you. Did I tell the, the the I love you Facebook story? Um, I don't know. Do tell. So there is a friend of the family, um, somebody that I grew up with, and she's basically like a sister to me. It's I, I knew her family 
extremely well. Um, been friends with her since I was like four or five years old. And she was uh, texting me just on Facebook Messenger asking about my dad. And, you know, I was giving her like the lowdown and she said a thing saying, hey, give them my love. I'm like, okay, I, I will. And she's like, love you. And I sent her a thing back saying, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this pause and she sends me this thing back. She's like, well, you, you realize when somebody sends you a thing that says, love you, you're supposed to say, I love you too. And I sent back, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just being a, a, a total douchebag. Yeah, but she knows me. She knows, okay. you know, she knows, so it's okay. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I broke up with a girl. And then that night had sex with somebody. So that's not really cheating. No. No. Yeah, but that's it. Those, Yeah, those are the times. I would say having a back rub. Getting a back rub and giving a back rub, that's cheating. I wouldn't. I would. I don't agree with that at all. Well, it's, I mean, it's a back rub is, you know, it's like a foot massage. It, it's intimate. It's, mm. a, it's, 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 it's a moment of intimacy. You're, you're giving somebody pleasure. No, I, d- I disagree. Okay. So. All right. Well, I, you know what? I want to hear from wife of show Jen what her opinion of that is. Well, I mean, a back rub is not a back rub. I mean, if, if the back rub in, includes, like, you know, G-spot massage, that's one well, thing. yeah, but, I mean, I can't remember if we had our shirts off or if it was over the, 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 the shirt. Well, okay, so I, I was dating a girl, uh-huh. and I I was hanging out with this other girl um, from your class, actually, and we were sitting drinking in her her dorm room, and she was... We, we were drinking, and she was, like, really tense about something. She's like, I'm so fucking tense about it. I'm like, well, let's, let me give you a back rub. And she's like, oh, okay. And, you know, she, I'm like, it's going to be a lot better if you take off your shirt and you take off uh-huh. your bra. And, no, it totally innocent. I didn't, I never touched the front of her. And I'm giving her this back rub. And this is actually when she, uh, she's like, well, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to hang out with, with, with Jerry. And mm-hmm. she, she said, what are you guys going to do? I'm like, well, I'll probably go to the bar or something like that. She's like, you know, he's got the most beautiful penis I've ever oh. seen. That was the night of the beautiful penis story. Oh, okay. And she spent the next like five minutes talking about how beautiful his penis was. And I knew that, see, that's why a back rub is not cheating. Because if a back rub was cheating, she would not be talking about how beautiful Jerry's penis is. But if you had said, you know what? If you could go back in time and you could be like, hey, okay, you know, he's got a beautiful penis. How do you, how do you talk, how do you say, how do you know that his beautiful penis, how do you know his penis is beautiful? Because she's maybe, seen enough of them. I know, but you could, you could have been like, well, maybe my beautiful, my penis is beautiful. And then she'd be like, ooh, let me see it. Like, yeah, no, it, it, no, see, that, that was, that was never going to happen. That was never okay. in, in the cards there. And it wasn't supposed to be. Okay. But it, it was just kind of, okay, you got your shirt off. I'm rubbing your back. I'm trying to make you feel good. That That's fine. Nothing's going to happen between us. We're just friends. Please stop talking about my friend's beautiful penis. I do okay. not need that. All right. All right. Moving right along. Howdy, partners. Now it's time for Listener Reaction Roundup. Yeehaw! Okay. Do you have anything? 
Uh, there's only one thing, but I'm sure you have it. It's from Facebook. It's about the guy with the scarred face. Yeah, uh, his name is Alex, but he goes by... Oh, God. It's Joey, Sean, and... I want to... It's not Rico. It's not... God damn it. Now I can't think of it. It's it's his nickname. And it's good. this is going to bother me, and Joey is going to bust my balls about it. Um, this Joey? He says... I'm what? Joey. <laughs> yeah, I'm disgusting. I take my underwear off in other people's homes. Um, it's not Fredo. It's it's a it's a Hispanic nickname that he has. It's, Guido. And, no, I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry, Joey. I, I I'm sorry, Sean. That I can't remember what this guy's name is. But I'm three beers into this podcast, and I did not have dinner. Yeah, I haven't so, had dinner yet either. I actually yeah. have steak waiting for me. Ooh, steak. I'm going to go upstairs and have a cheese stick and some wheat thins. <laughs> uh, but he says, hey, guys, love the podcast. Keep it up. Just a quick tidbit about the actor who played Rostov in Invasion USA. That's the bad guy in Invasion USA. I know it's a podcast. It's post-podcast, but found it interesting. He says, the actor's facial scars were actually from an LSD-fueled incident in 1967 in which he lit himself on fire in Central Park. Thus, promoting him to appear in an anti-drug commercial using his appearance to play bad guys in films. Always great podcast, friend of show, and Joey. Chico! Chico, Chico. Yeah. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah, that, that's all I got as well. Okay. So can I, can I not fuck this up this week and actually do it right? Let's see. I don't know. I'm so excited And I just can't hide it all right, so next week is my movie. Matt has pulled from, what bag was it that you pulled from? Two. Bag two. And what were the movies that you had previous, previously pulled from bag two? First Blood, Invasion and, USA. Okay, and what other what other bag did you, um, Throw Mama from the Train was from? Bag one. Bag, bag one. So you have pulled nothing from bag two. Right. No, I, I pulled everything I, from bag two. You have pulled nothing from bag three. Correct. Okay. And I think I only have two more movies. Total, yeah. Yeah. So, you may not get this. This It's very simple. Very simple. All right. All right. So, Al Pacino plays Frank Keller in Sea of Love. He plays Willie Bank in Ocean's 13. George Clooney plays Danny Ocean in that movie. George Clooney plays Danny Ocean in Ocean's Eleven. Angie Dickinson plays Boxing Spectator in that film. She plays Vanessa McBride in this 1981 film. You're never going to get it. Is this a De Palma film? It is not. It's not Police Story. Nope, it reunites two action stars from the 70s who starred together in The Dirty Dozen. All right, no clue. Okay. Death Hunt with Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin. That's baby. my fault. <laughs> okay. So I, I know that I have that. Yes. You're going to like this movie. I guarantee you that you are going to get, there's a, there's going to be a moment where you're going to be like, I have an erection. And then there's going to be a moment where you're like, ooh, that erection just shrank. So I have 
my next movie I know is a no brainer. Um, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get there. From well, here. okay, Car- Carl Weathers is in this movie, and um, Andrew. Can't remember his last name. McCarthy? No, not Andrew McCarthy. Lloyd Webber? No. <laughs> Carl Weathers is in this film. <laughs> Uncle Leo is in this movie. <laughs> Jerry! It's eyebrows. So, no, I had, when I went through and I looked at the the movies that I picked for, for this season, because I, mm-hmm. I picked them all ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I had two that I had questions about. Sea of Love was one of them. And then I have one one that's left of, of the ones. And the rest of them are slam dunks. I think I have four left total. And it is one that I like. And it is, it's a really weird mishmash of genres because it's this, but it's also that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but my my one for next week, I don't know how I'm going to get there from linking it. I guess Carl Weathers is probably my best bet. <laughs> that and um, Andrew, I can't think of another famous, Andrew Luck. So No, he was, okay, he was, he was on a firefighting show, television show in the 80s. Um, oh, God. If you see him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that dude. Yeah, there's a lot of those guys. Yeah. Okay, so I got, I got nothing else. Take us on home. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening we really really appreciate it i mean it's not often that you get people that listen to a couple of boneheaded idiots like us for a couple of hours but really i mean we appreciate it you have no idea what it means to us that you're taking the time to listen to us because we're not that great but if you like us you like us and that's awesome you can find us on facebook at betamax rewind with matt and doug or you can email us at betamax rewind at yahoo.com go to apple uh podcast Rate and review us. The biggest compliment that you can do is tell a friend. That's all I got. Alright, so we will see you next week for what's the end of the That's hard. Alright, see you later. Alright, see ya. <laughs>